Hey guys, Skeletoni here. Halloween is quickly approaching. I know, I still need to get some more stuff for my costume. Have you tried Halloween Express? Halloween Express? Yeah, dude. If you go to halloween.graveplotpodcast.com, you can get 25% off. Yeah, but how much do I have to spend? There's no minimum to buy. Wow, really? Do I have to enter a code or something? Nope. All you have to do is go to halloween.graveplotpodcast.com and check out like normal. Well, I'll go do that right now. Well, not right now. We have a show to do. Oh, right. Later, then. Welcome to the Grave Plot Podcast. Welcome one, welcome all, to the third annual Grave Plot Podcast Halloween special. I'm Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. Thanks for joining us on this moderately special episode. It's more of a, it's more of a, just a name. Yeah, I mean, like we like we said last episode, we're reviewing Halloween movies, which is not really that big of a deal on a horror podcast. It's a bit of a misnomer, but you know, whatever. Like Halloween, Halloween specials for TV shows are not really all that special. No, they just, they're just Halloween themed. Yeah, and that's what this is. True. Halloween themed. Not our news, though. That's just regular news, I think, right? Yeah, for, yeah, for the most part. Yeah. Um. So how are you doing, Taylor? I'm doing quite well. Yeah. Um. This is the last week of Octoberama. We yep. made it. Hey. <laughs> uh, this was more exhausting than last year because I was only here for like two of them. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Well, no, I guess I did. Well, we had five last year, right? Yeah, but we recorded two in one day. That's right. Yeah, we yeah, I did a full episode and a short episode, right. Um, but, yeah, this was this was a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad October only comes once a year. Um, and I'm going to be glad to not see your ugly face for a little while. Whatever, you'll miss me when I'm gone. <laughs> um. So what's new? Uh, not much. We got our our third annual Halloween party this evening mm-hmm. that we're attending, uh, and we will also be screening the world premiere of the new Grave Plot Podcast short film. Yeah, titled "The Camp Out." And uh, I hope uh, we had a short little teaser, mm-hmm. like what, like ten seconds long? Fifteen. Was it fifteen? Okay. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, I think it built some good anticipation. Yeah. By the time you listen to this, it should be available on graveplotpodcast.com. Right. Um, But yeah, world premiere tonight, which is Saturday the 24th. Um, And if you're not invited to the party, then you can't see it. Then you're not our friend. (laughs) How does it feel, Hollywood stars, to not be invited (laughs) to a world premiere? Yeah. But yeah, so the party should. Take that, Casey Ruggieri. Don't insult our guests. <laughs> she's she's so jealous right now. <laughs> Jelly beans. She's at home just like, oh, no. <laughs> Every one of them. We were invited to Jessica Cameron's world premiere of uh, Mania. This is true, but we can't go. Because it's in Los Angeles. <laughs> and 
you know, last minute travel is just not in the cards for us. Not so much. Especially when we have. We appreciate the offer. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. We would definitely go if we could. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, we'd have to explain it to our, our wives and girlfriends. You know, that means she'll probably be bringing it to Crypticon, though. I hope so. That'd be awesome. Yeah. If if she comes. I mean, she can't That's be true. I mean, row. she's she's becoming a staple, but maybe that's just not what she's going for. Maybe not. She seems to enjoy herself when she's there. Yeah. Of course, you know, speaking for her, so. Um, yeah, we're going, we're not doing scary costumes. No, we went funny again. Yeah. Um, we're doing characters from Wet Hot American Summer. And we got a huge group costume. Yeah. There's, what, six of us? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm doing Andy, Paul Rhodes' character. My wife's going as Katie. Is um, Margaret Moreau's character. Your sister is Beth. Yeah. Who's Janine Garofalo's character. What... What is David Hyde Pierce's character? Henry. Henry. That's right. Uh, her husband is going as Henry. I'm going as Gene, the cook, Chris yep. Maroney. And my girlfriend is going as the can of vegetables. Maloney. Get what? it right. What? Maroney? Maloney. I thought it was Maroney. No. Chris Maloney. All right. Well, Melon me. with an I. And my girlfriend is going as the can of vegetables, voiced by H. John Benjamin. Too bad her voice is like the polar opposite of his. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, right, we'll probably put some pictures up on Facebook. Yeah. Um, I think my wife and I got off with probably the easiest costumes. Yeah. Did you hear your sister up the ante on the prizes this year? Yeah. It used to be like a great plot podcast button. And this year she's given away like iTunes gift cards and shit. I, I didn't get that. Oh yeah. She told me that every, every winner gets two tickets to... A movie, yeah, and then whoever gets best overall costume gets an iTunes gift card. Oh, well, nice. Yeah, um, said so she's got to keep people coming back, <laughs> keep them wanting more. Uh, little little secret: she's giving the movie tickets because her husband gets them for free from work, and no one gets a Grave Plot Podcast button this year, right? Because <laughs> we have to pay for those, right? <laughs> That's, everyone's like, "Oh, I want a T-shirt." I'm like, oh, "All right, it's twenty bucks." They're like, "Can't you just give me one?" It's like, "No, I don't. Can't even get one." Yeah, it's not like we have boxes <laughs> of them. They get made to order. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, stop asking me for T-shirts. Just buy one, cheap ass. <laughs> um. Anyway, so oh, also we were uh, just recorded the video game break TV show, right? We're going to be on two episodes of that. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have a specific date on that yet, do we? We do not. Um, but if you're in the Seattle area, uh, I'm sure we'll post it up on Facebook uh, and Twitter. And I guess we're still using Google+. Plus. Well, it <laughs> it pulls in from our Facebook feed. So. Got it. Um, but yeah, we'll be posting about that when we know when it airs. But if you're in the Seattle area... It's on public access on channel 77. Um, otherwise, you can watch it on videogamebreak.com. Video-game-break.com. That's the one. Um, but, yeah, that's our you know, our buddy Carlos's business. Mm-hmm. So You've heard us on the podcast, and now you can watch us in living color. Yeah. Um, so I guess that's all for our bullshit, right? I guess so. I mean, is there anything else? No. Okay. Then that's the end of it. (laughs) Um, So let's just do horror business. 
candy corn or anything and make it at least a little more festive? Nope. <laughs> what do you think I am made of money? You're a terrible host. Well, fuck you. Of both parties and podcasts. <laughs> Dick. <laughs> All right, starting out with some real world horror. As True story. Motherfucker. <laughs> as we are known to do. Uh, airline Air Lingus. Um, They're very cunning On a flight from Lisbon, uh, Portugal To Dublin, Ireland uh, It was diverted to Cork uh, After paramedics pronounced A man dead on arrival Uh, Passengers Said he had bitten A man sitting next to him And the crew members uh, Oh, sorry He had bitten a man sitting near him And the crew crew and crew members, god damn, uh, sought to handcuff him before he lost consciousness. Uh, doctor and nurse on board failed to revive him. Um, you know, you see that in movies. There's always a doctor on a plane. I mean, obviously you probably wouldn't know for sure, but has there ever been a doctor on a plane that you knew of? Not that I knew of. I've never had an incident where I needed one. True. But it's just like, that, that seems so dramatic. Yeah. It's like, I'm a doctor. Just rips off his coat. He's got a lab coat on underneath. <laughs> um, passenger John Leonard said uh, the noise of the man was something he'd never heard before. Uh, it's not something you'd hear every day. It was like the deep anguish is the best way I could t- describe it. Very, very troubled. Not screaming in a sense, you know. No, goddamn. You got to put commas in here, man. Hey, uh, I copy and paste. <laughs> oh, lazy journalism. Um, when they're quotes, not screaming in a sense, you know, if you'd hurt yourself or something, just a very guttural from deep within, uh, he told Sky News, um, the bitten passenger was admitted to Cork Hospital. Now, how does this sound to everyone else? Okay. Now it says paramedics pronounced the man dead on arrival in Cork. Yeah. When did he die? That's my question. Right. Did he... Did he die before he bit the man? Because that's what I'm thinking. This guy was a fucking walking zombie. Yeah. And, you know, when things get frantic, uh, your memory gets a little cloudy. Sure. You start start remembering things in the wrong order. And, I mean, this description of the sound the guy made, it's just this guttural noise. It's not quite screaming. And he bit a dude. (laughs) <laughs> Straight up bit a guy. <laughs> now, this day and age, it's likely, or not, maybe not likely, but possible that he could have been on bath salts. <laughs> That's a possibility. It only happened once. <laughs> it's a possibility. We have to look at this from all angles. But didn't they say that guy wasn't even on bath salts? Wasn't he just high? I'm pretty sure he was on bath salts. I swear I remember the only thing they found in his system was marijuana. I, I don't know. It's been a while, so I don't yeah. remember the details. But uh, but what we're saying, people, is uh, zombies. Zombies are in Ireland right now. Yeah. Uh, I hope they the, have that. The dude. bitten passenger was admitted to a Cork hospital where he bit several doctors and other patients, probably. Yeah. And spread the virus. Yeah. My wife, she uh, did a... My wife. My, my wife. <laughs> never gets old. Never. <laughs> Um, 
she did, I believe, a semester of school <clears throat> in Cork. I hope she's happy, or I hope she's content with you know never going there again. Well, yeah, there's zombies there now. Yeah. So, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry about your damn luck, <laughs> Cork. But, I mean, really, it's only a matter of time before somebody gets on an airplane headed this way and thinks they just have the flu or something. Next thing you know. Yeah, that's how we got Ebola. That's how 28 Days Later happened. Yeah. Fucking Cillian Murphy came over here being all Irish. <laughs> just jaunting along. <laughs> Doing a jig. <laughs> um, None of that makes any sense because, A, he was in London. B, he wasn't ever infected. Right. C, 28 Days Later is not a zombie movie. I was and is he Irish I know he has an Irish name but is he actually Irish I think so hmm okay like I said none of it matters anyway so. <laughs> it's relevant I'm sure most of you have heard this next story by now, but we're excited, so we're going to talk about it. You may remember a few episodes back, we talked about a game called Summer Camp, which was set to feature uh, Kane Hodder as a slasher and um, Tom Savini doing makeup effects and Henry Manfredini doing the music. And you thought, oh, it's a nice little Friday the 13th reunion. Well, guess what? Summer Camp is now Friday the 13th, the game, bitches. Woo! Uh, apparently... Uh, Sean Cunningham came to the, to the makers and was like, hey, why don't you just make it a Friday the 13th game? And they were like, gee, let me think. Okay. Okay. Uh, co-creator and designer Wes Keltner announced Summer Camp was announced on Halloween of 2014. So, one year ago. In spring of 2015, we were approached by Sean with the F-13 license as a gift. We happily accepted. We had funding to build summer camp which was a small indie endeavor paying tribute to 80 slasher films with the license we can do so much more however we need more money <laughs> bring money <laughs> uh yeah you lost me <laughs> publishers wanted a more watered down version of what we wanted to do therefore we are going directly to fans via kickstarter we were like fuck that <laughs> uh keltner says that the trailer which is available on their website f13game.com uh, is 100% in-engine footage. No CG or smoke and mirrors. All legit footage. Legit. Uh, so, according to their Kickstarter page, you get to play as Jason. Let's say that again. You get to play as Jason. You get to stalk camp counselors in Camp Crystal Lake and brut brutally kill in new and inventive ways, as well as some that will seem all too familiar. I hope they have the sleeping back. They fucking better. That's like classic you have yeah. to, that that's probably his most iconic kill i think uh grab a counselor in a chokehold pick them up off the ground and smash their face into a tree repeatedly <laughs> or how about lifting a counselor up above your head as they kick and scream holding them aloft long enough to walk near a rack of farm spikes to slam your victim down upon them yes you get to do that because that's what jason does he's an unflinching brutal killing force the ultimate predator and for the first time ever you control this horror icon Fucking it. That's pretty bitching. 
Uh, and then and as far as stretch goals go, they said, one of our biggest goals is to bring back Tommy Jarvis as a guide for you, the player. With a stretch goal, Oodle we... Oodalolly. Huh? Oodalolly. The hell's Oodalolly? That's an exclamation. Oodalolly. Okay. <laughs> that's... That means awesome. I think you mean Orale. Viva la raza. No. <laughs> I don't mean that. Uh, with the stretch goal, we hope to give you a fully 3D environment where you can access stories about Jason, view your progress, and even collect bits and pieces from Camp Crystal Lake for use with Tommy Jarvis. Do enough for him, and a special surprise will await you. Um, so yeah, this this is awesome. I'm apprehensive. Really, really awesome. Why are you apprehensive? Uh, because I am so very opposed to so many things that Crystal Lake Entertainment is doing. <laughs> and, you know, I'm not going to even pretend that I'm not going to play the game because I definitely am. Um, but, like, you know, you can get, like, a free copy of it. Well, not free, but in a certain, you know, donation level. I think it's 25 Maybe you can get a free copy of the game, but I'm just really unmotivated to give them any of my money. <laughs> well, as of this recording, they have $509,598 pledged of their $700,000 goal with 20 days to go. Yeah, and I believe they've already released one stretch goal when they hit 500000 or at least at least one. I believe it was a new skin for Jason or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Um, $25 or more was the early bird digital download key. That's all gone. Oh, well, fuck me. Uh, $30 is now the price for the digital download key on PC, Xbox One, or PS4. Mm. I'm not a big fan of digital games. I'd much rather have a disc. Just in case something happens? Well, or... there's there's that. I mean, well, all the games are backed up on the cloud. Like, all the, oh, are they? All the games, or all the gaming consoles, they have clouds now. Like, I've got a few downloads uh, I've had I had to reboot or like reset my um, PlayStation. As soon as I did that, I just go into my account and re-download the games. Oh, okay. But it's not that; it's that it takes up memory. Oh yeah. And I have well, precious little memory, and I'm not going to add some expanded hard drive on there. So. A physical game is going to cost you seventy five dollars. Uh, that's too much. But you do get Kickstarter exclusive cover art as well as a digital art book featuring concept art from the game's creators, exclusive beta access on PC, in-game credit under special thanks, that might be worth it, uh, two digital wallpapers, and a, a eternal gratitude. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> I've always wanted a game developer's eternal gratitude. What is what is that What is that worth? Um, <laughs> Does that mean they're going to, like, a dry give me a job? job or something? Yeah. <laughs> try <laughs> but like you know if somebody says you know i owe you my life it's like well all right we'll, we'll see give it <laughs> <laughs> anyway <laughs> anyway so i'm kind of surprised i thought you would be like over the moon about this i'm i was happy about summer camp i was really looking forward to that um you know also uh Last year, you know, they're very similar. Mm -hmm. um, but like I said, just 
Crystal Lake Entertainment just keeps fucking up. Well, it 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 seems like I don't know how much control Crystal Lake Media has over it. It kind of feels like they're just letting Gun Media run wild and just saying, you know, you have the license. That very well could be. Um but I don't know. We'll see. I got some time to make <laughs> to make it my mind to weigh my conscience I conscience, I guess. You've got 20 days. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll, make, I'll make use of that 20 days. And if, if you guys want to donate to the cause, uh, the website is f13game.com. Uh, I don't know if you said this already, but uh, Keen Hodder is obviously, well, playing Jason, <laughs> but I guess it's like, like mocap. Right. Um, Tom Savini is masterminding the sk- the kills and the brutality. Harry Madfrandini is doing the score. So yes. that's cool. Yes. Um, and yeah, and this is set for a fall of 2016 release, right? Which means it's going to beat the movie, but we'll get more into that later. Interceptor is apparently being adapted into a movie. Uh, it was originally published and developed by Heavy Metal. Heavy Metal! Yeah. Uh, it's your one night ticket to midnight. Call it Heavy, heavy Metal! Metal. Yeah. That's from the movie. Yep. Sammy Hagar. The movie Sammy Hagar? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen that one. <laughs> um... It follows vampires living in a nuclear wasteland as they attempt to go to space. <laughs> what? <laughs> that sounds like a fake premise. Something just somebody pull out of their ass. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, all, apparently, it is not debuted yet in the magazine. <laughs> it doesn't launch until December of this year. But a film adaptation is already in the works. Uh, heavy Metal President Brian Witten said, Heavy Metal has a strong belief about the project, and Danny Cates is a writer, and Dylan Burnett is an artist. Uh, what they've created is something you haven't seen before. We were already thinking about the film and TV possibilities when we started being approached by a few writers and directors about the project. We conveyed this to Donnie, and he asked us to come on board as producers. Um, this is what happens when you own a comic book company and a film company. Yeah. It's like, well, do you want to do this as a comic or a movie? Why, why not both? Why not both? <laughs> oh, that little girl's precious. Yeah, she is. What was it? Was hard shells and soft shell tacos, right? Um, because if so, she's also a genius. I want to say it was like flat shelled. Oh yeah, because it was the square shaped taco shells. Right, but was that it? Yeah. Okay. I don't. I don't quite remember. I'll take your word for it. I made those, like, unintentionally. Like, when I was, like, really adamant about my diet. Uh, you made square taco shells? Yeah, but, like, not on purpose. I was trying to find a way to make taco shells without frying them. Um, and the only way I could find was to you, you spray them with vegetable oil, and you put them on the oven rack 
but you like loop them over the two of the grates. Sure. Spokes. Whatever you call them. Spokes. <laughs> I don't think that's right. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, they, they crisp up. That makes sense. Yeah. And then it would be a square. Yeah. It's convenient for toppings. Well, yeah. And fillings. It was a good idea. Whoever came up with it. Yeah. Do they still make them? I don't know. <laughs> those old El Pasos, those, like, those pre-made taco shells are always stale. Yeah. Like, I am almost certain that they stay on the rack for like 10 years. <laughs> Before they actually they just never get more. Yeah. This is the taco cast. <laughs> and the biggest bitch about those things is you you, know, you, buy, <laughs> you buy like a pack of 10 or 20 of them or whatever, and like half of them are intact. Yeah. You got to dig through them like, like those packs of uh, uh, ice cream cones. Like you got to find one that isn't just completely shattered. Anyway. <laughs> This is the dumbest thing we've ever talked about on the show. Is it? Is it really? <laughs> it's it's up there. I'll, I'll give you that. Uh, right. By the way, do you hear they're bringing back Gilmore Girls? <laughs> yes. Uh, my wife was telling my wife was telling me that like she was reading me a news article or something. And said something about Gilmore Girls. So I just kind of stopped listening. <laughs> I don't know if she can hear me right now or not, but. Um, and then I, what, I'm like, wait, because it was already on Netflix, like the series, I th- mm-hmm. think. And I'm like, wait, because that thought registered in my mind. I'm like, wait a minute, they're doing new episodes? Like, yeah. Like, oh, God. Are they going to kill off the grandpa? I guess they have to. Oh. Are you attached to What's-His-Face Gilmore? No. I-, I liked Edward Herman, though. Well, sure, everybody did. But we have to move past this, Taylor. We, life has to go on. I, I want to apologize to the people at Heavy Metal. <laughs> We've gotten way off the rails. <laughs> we spent the entire time on your story talking about tacos and the Gilmore Girls. <laughs> uh, I lost my place. Um, writer Donnie Cates said, uh, it's like this. Buffy in a mech suit lands in a in a vampire Mad Max hellhole and unleashes the maelstrom of UV ballistics and neon and blood-soaked destruction. How high was he when he came up with this premise? Dude, have you read Heavy Metal? Well, okay, that's a good point. <laughs> or seen the movies, even. Um, uh, yeah, he told this to The Hollywood Reporter. Um, plus, little kids with machine guns. Robot spiders and laser gun turrets. Area 51 filled with vamp prisoners and alien tech. Dog fights, <laughs> space stuff, evil presidents, immortal kings, swords. 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 That just came out naturally. I didn't even intentionally do that. Swords, vampire punk bands. Did I mention huge mech suits? Is this an episode of Aqua Teen Hunger Force? <laughs> it almost sounds like that. <laughs> There's so much going on. How the hell are you supposed to follow this? Oh and wow! I have to assume this is the comic book series or, or the the series in the in the magazine and not the the movie, because you got to compress that down for a movie. There's just too much. Unless there's just no story. It's just like <laughs> just explosions like every two seconds. <laughs> well, that sounds fucking wild. That's yeah. Sounds like a fucking seizure waiting to happen. No shit. Um, so keep an eye out for that. If you're a heavy metal reader, you can look forward to it in December. 
who knows when the movie will happen. If if it happens, so many movies get canned nowadays, but we'll see. It was a zombie jamboree took place in a New York cemetery. It was a zombie jamboree took place in a New York cemetery. Zombies from all parts of the island. Some of them was a great Calypsonians. Speaking of comic book adaptations, the comic book Zeman is being adapted. <laughs> is being adapted into a movie. This comic is published by Double Take, and the movie is being developed by Lionsgate. Because, of course, uh, Zeman follows two <laughs> Zeman follows two government agents who are sent to Pennsylvania in response to a zombie outbreak. Pennsylvania, obviously, Night of the Living Dead. Uh, it does take place partially within the Night of the Living Dead universe. Uh, Lionsgate Motion Picture Group co-chairs Rob Friedman and Patrick Waksberger uh, said, in unison, I guess, we're delighted. <laughs> like the city council in Nightvale. <laughs> uh, we're delighted to expand our relationship with our friends at Take Two by partnering with their comic book arm, Double Take, in bringing Zeman to the big screen. <laughs> we continue to diversify our portfolio with films adapted from novels, video games, and board games, and look forward to translating 2T's graphic novel into a spine-chilling film for moviegoers and comic book fans alike. It is yet another example of the strong underlying intellectual property on which our film and telev television content is based. Did you say that in like a droning fashion because it was supposed to be in unison? Yeah. <laughs> in unison. Uh, double take general manager. Almost as if it's self-aware. <laughs> uh, double take general manager Bill Jamas says, We look forward to seeing Lionsgate, Lionsgate's creativity transform the Zeman story into an exciting feature film. You're not even doing that on purpose anymore, are you? <laughs> Uh, and everyone on the Double Take team is incredibly enthused at this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Uh, so, more zombies. Yay. Yay. From Lionsgate. Yay. <laughs> more people ripping off Night of the Living Dead. <laughs> oh, no kidding. Yay, fair use. <laughs> Do you notice that in... I mean... Never mind. We'll, we'll talk about it later. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, public domain. That's... That's a bitch. Yeah. And honestly, did they not think people would call it semen? <laughs> like, I get what they're going for. It's like G-Men with zombies, semen. Yeah, I got it. it. It sounds like semen. It does sound like semen. It sounds like spookums. Spookums? Yeah. Spunk? Just throwing... Throwing ropes. Throwing ropes of yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> What doesn't kill you makes you Yet another comic book is being adapted into a TV show. Ooh. Hack slash slash. <laughs> Uh, is being developed by Relativity, Relativity Television, which is a new division of Relativity Media. Media. Uh, Hack Slash centers on Cassie Hack. Uh, I see what I see what's going Cass on. Cass Hack, huh? Cass Hack, Cass Hack, Cassick, Cass Ka Kashik? the cat that floats in one spot, and it comes around again. <laughs> 
We're broadcasting live from Night Vale. Joseph Fink, don't sue us. <laughs> if you say that, then they can't. <laughs> That's how laws work. Maybe it does in Night Vale. Again, don't sue us. Um, yes, sorry. Hacks, lost my... I forgot what we were doing. <laughs> You're just, just making Night Vale references all day. <laughs> um, hack slash centers on Cassie Hack, a woman who symbolizes the cliche of a lone girl who survives at the end of every horror movie. Uh, however, the emotionally damaged girl not only survived, but has become a killer of killers. So she's Dexter Morgan. Essentially. Uh, along with a burly protector, burly, not protector, <laughs> protector uh, named Vlad, Hack travels across the country hunting slashers in the vein of Halloween's Michael Myers, Friday the 13th, Jason Voorhees, and A Nightmare on Elm Street's Freddy Krueger. Uh, this has apparently been, like, they've been trying to make this into a movie for years. It sounds ripe for one, I guess. Well, apparently no one wanted it and, until they pitched it as a TV show instead. Maybe this is why, uh, because Skip Woods, who is responsible for Swordfish, A Good Day to Die Hard, and Hitman, is writing the script. I don't think he's been attached the whole time, though. Maybe not. You didn't like Swordfish? No. What about what about Halle Berry's titties, though? How about those titties? <laughs> uh, I think it, I think it mainly didn't like Swordfish because of John Travolta. Well, that's yeah, that'll happen. Yeah, that will happen. <laughs> um, it's been in the works uh, for a long time, as Taylor said, as a feature film. Uh, at one point, having Marcus Nispel, um, Frederick Bond, and Todd Lincoln attached as directors. So. Just to clarify, that is not Mary Todd Lincoln. Probably not. <laughs> She's been dead for a long time. Uh, God, Marcus Nispel. That I don't know who Frederick Bond or Todd Lincoln are. Do you? Uh, I think Todd Lincoln had done something that I had seen at some point in my life. <laughs> You say, hey, Blinken? No, Todd Lincoln. Vampire Hunter. No, I said, hey, Blinken. <laughs> My name's not Jesus. <laughs> oh, VHS. Uh, okay. So, it's probably good that these people are involved. Oh, I mean, maybe, maybe Nispel. I this bill's done some things. He has done some things. Um, anyway, so we'll see if this happens. Uh, TV show. Oh, maybe Nispel didn't want to do TV. That's probably, yeah. This sounds like something that would be on the Sci-Fi channel. So, <laughs> um, Yeah, I don't know. Someone might pick it up. We'll see. Show, So the production company Shout Factory is going to start getting into original films. Uh, Shout Factory is normally known as a home video and music company releasing feature films, classics, and contemporary TV series, uh, animation, live music, and comedy specials. So kind of everything. 
Yeah, just all over the spectrum, basically. Um, like I said, they're getting into their own original films, with their first one being a horror thriller called Fender Bender. Uh, it's going to be developed and financed through the company's horror genre label, Scream Factory. Which is brand new, I'm pretty sure. Eh, how brand new? The last couple of years, maybe. Oh, okay. That's possible, yeah. Uh, Fender Bender is written and directed by Mark Pavia, who wrote and directed The Night Flyer. Ooh, I like that. That was uh, a good one. That was a good Stephen King at it. Yeah, what's he been doing since? <laughs> Wasn't that like 96 or something? At least. <laughs> yeah. Um, Fender Bender describes a throwback to the horror films of the 1980s, a time when homicidal maniacs like Freddy Krueger and Jason Voorhees routinely terrorized hapless teens. I'm into that. But it sounds like it's just going to be like stock slasher from the, I mean, from that description. It kind of seems that way. Um, it seems to me like slashers are becoming the new zombies. Yeah. Which to a point I would be happy about, but slashers this they they require a little more inventiveness and creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little finesse. Yeah, I mean, you you got to come up with a backstory. You got to come up with a look, which we know from experience now that it's hard to do. Yeah. Um, and uh, you got to you got to come up with some creative kills, and you just got to keep it interesting overall. So the fact that so many people are getting into the slasher game now worries me a little bit because I love slasher movies. But there's so many bad ones of them. Mm-hmm. So. You don't want them to jump the shark. Yeah, exactly. Like shark movies have. <laughs> yep. Shark exploitation is apparently a genre now. Oh, God. Hopefully Oliver Platt will take care of that for us. <laughs> Bingo. Uh, Shout Factory uh, head... Of acquisitions. Okay, there we go. Uh, Jordan Fields says, Over the last few years, we've built up credibility with these fans. We know this audience. We know where they live. And we know where they sleep. (laughs) And we know what they love. I don't like that. We know where they live line kind of. Yeah, don't tell me that. A little creepy there, Jordan. Yeah, because you know what? I'm going to find out where you live. How about that? I know where you live and I've seen where you sleep. And I swear to everything holy, your mothers will cry when they see what I've done to you. We just got all the movie references today. All of them. That's what we do. None of them horror. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, Fender Better coming out so eventually from Screen Factory. At some point. So, in the past year or so, we've talked a lot about some uh, redundant horror reboots. Um, Now, about those. Here's the thing. (laughs) Friday the 13th, which has been delayed twice already, Mm -hmm. uh, it's being pushed pushed back again. Surprise, surprise. Hey, who predicted that? Everyone. These guys right here. Thumbs at both of us. Here's something interesting that someone at work brought up. Do you realize you have an above average number of thumbs? Because there's a number of people that have less than two thumbs, therefore bringing down the average. So if you have two thumbs, you therefore have an above average number of thumbs. There are enough people with one or zero thumbs. There has to be. To 
even if the average is 1.99999, two would still be more than average. I guess that's true. I'm, who might argue? <laughs> if it's on TV, it must be true. Garfield. <laughs> Just keep making obscure references. <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah. Friday the 13th has been pushed back to January, so that's, what, three months late? Two. Three. From what? From where it was? It was supposed to be November, right? It's supposed to be March. Right. (laughs) So, almost a year. Yep. That's fun. I have to imagine that has a lot to do with the fact that they have about five months to shoot a movie, edit it, distribute it, and actually show it. Right. Um, which, you know, we knew wasn't going to happen. <laughs> well, and now uh, Hannibal writer Nick Ancosta, who was signed on to write the script, is gone. Yeah. Uh, Paramount. So, so in that amount of time, they have to do all those things that you just mentioned, plus find a new writer mm. and have them write a script. Let's just write the fucking thing. It's, it's the only way it's going to get done at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's like we've talked about before. Uh, Jason, Camp Crystal Lake, kids, murders. Done. Script right there. Yeah, there's your bullet points. <laughs> and, you know, like we've you've mentioned before, we've talked about it on the show, people for years have wanted to see Jason in the snow. Just give it to him. Yeah, just do it. You want an original idea? There it is. There it is. Never happened before. You'll be the guy that put Jason in the snow. Yeah. Do it. The only thing is if they came to us and they were like, we want you to write this Friday 13th reboot, we'd be like, no. I'll write a sequel. Yeah. Well, I'll probably write a reboot. It's, whatever. It's the same fucking movie practically. The reboot are probably pretty similar to the original. Though. <laughs> <laughs> Just because I have a little more respect than they do. Um, also, Halloween Returns headed back to the drawing board. Apparently that just crumbled. Well, there's a house of cards and it fell to pieces. I mean, producer Maleka Cod spoke to the, the website Daily Dead and he basically made it sound like he was on board. Uh, Melton and Dunstan were on board. They were all on the same page and the studio went, no. <laughs> um, yeah, he said uh, things weren't going quite as planned. He said this is some somewhat new news but unfortunately things in Hollywood where you have issues with the studios and different variables you've had to take a step back and now we're trying to refigure this beast that is the new Halloween um, so there's a bit of delay with the sequel now and now this is a sequel to the original series right which is cool I yeah guess. I mean this is one of the few the re-words really where they bad. actually like make sense because they called it a recalibration of the franchise mm. Which it kind of is, because you're basically retconning 4 through 6 and all those other stupid later sequels. Resurrection. Buster Rhymes. Resurrection and Apparently, I, I didn't like it. I thought it was awful. But apparently, there there's a good group of people that like H2O. H2O, I, I wouldn't say it was awful. I definitely wouldn't like put it on the top list of... Any movies, even Halloween pe- movies. I think people really liked it because it was a return of Laurie Strode. 
I could see that. That's probably the main reason. But it had Josh Hartnett in it. That brings a lot of things down. Right. Except 40 Days and 40 Nights. That movie was pretty funny. Yeah. But 30 Days of Night. No good. You didn't like it? Eh, it's fine. It's, it's I'm not over the moon about it. It was all right. They're not vampires. You can call them vampires if you want. They're not fucking vampires. <laughs> what are they? I don't know. Some kind of beast. Monster things. But then you got that jackass goes on fucking Ultimate Warrior or whatever that show's called. Not Ultimate Warrior. Uh, Ninja Warrior? No. What's that show where they put the two people against each other? And... Celebrity Boxing? <laughs> yes. Celebrity Boxing. <laughs> uh, whatever it's called. Anyways. And it was Vampires Against Zombies. And Max Brooks is like, well, here's why zombies oh, are good. Warrior. And this guy is like, yeah, well, vampires are super, super muscular and strong, and they have like all these teeth and stuff, so they win. And it's like nothing you just, you just didn't describe vampires at all. So everything Max Brooks said, this guy had a counter for. Right. Yeah, and it was all kind of bullshit. Exactly. Um, but I mean, honestly, and if you watch it, you can tell Max Brooks is getting pissed. Yeah, he's he's getting really frustrated because. It's like this guy's just trying to one up him, yeah, with bullshit. Um, but from an unbiased view, if you have the same number of vampires say as, as zombies, vampires take it. Yes, like you know, just classic zombies. Zombies, depending on what kind of lore you're looking at, zombies can either move very quickly, like practically faster than the eye can track, or they can fly. They have super strength. If you have the same number, yes, I'm agreeing with yeah. you. But zombies will spread faster. True. P- the thing that pissed me off about Deadliest Warrior is they implied a vampire zombie. That was awful. Somebody should have lost their job over that. Yeah. Uh, back to Halloween Returns. Yeah. So he said uh, Malika Khad uh, continued on saying, but I do think it's a good thing for the franchise. Um, it's only going to be resulting in a better film, which I hope the fans appreciate. But this new Halloween isn't going to be quite what has been announced and what people are expecting. So we're so we're going, making some changes there as well. That's, that's interesting. Yeah, it's worrisome, definitely. Does that mean it's not going to be a sequel to Part Two? It sure seems that way. Well, I mean, no, it doesn't. He seem still that calls way. it a sequel. Yeah. So, like, what's what's the plan? Now I'm confused. I don't know what's happening. I am almost betting that it's going to very f- closely walk the very fine line of uh, recalibration and reboot. Mm. So, so it's a requel? Requel. <laughs> God. Uh. <laughs> don't give them any ideas. <laughs> Shut up. Um, and you notice he never used... The term Halloween Returns. Did he not? Mm-mm. So I'm wondering if they're changing the name. I, that's fine. Halloween Returns is a stupid name. Halloween Returns every year. Yeah. It's always there. <laughs> yeah. It's on the calendar before we even get there. Before we even get the calendar. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, I mean, they can't call it Halloween the Return of Michael Myers because that known. already exists. Yeah. <laughs> um. It's too bad Resurrection's been taken. That would be good. That would be good, yeah. Uh, Halloween again. Halloween again? Halloween again. One word. Uh, Let's brainstorm this. We can come up with a better title. 
can we? Clearly not. We're saying Halloween again. That's not a thing. <laughs> uh, Halloween, Michael Myers comes why, back. Why don't they just go the Rocky Balboa route and just call it Michael Myers? Call, yeah. Why not? Mike, I rip off uh, Friday Thirteen Six and just call it Michael Lives. Sure. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's all I got. Talk about later. (laughs) All right, um, probably not. (laughs) Moving on to some remains. Uh, Godzilla versus Kong has been officially announced. Oh, oh, Godzilla! Uh, this is going to come from Legendary Pictures and Warner Brothers and be released in 2020. So get excited now. Yeah. Get pumped, guys. Ramp up the hype train. Uh, Kong Skull Island, of course, comes out March 10th, 2017. And Godzilla 2 is set to be released June 8th, 2018. So you've got some giant... Uh, uh, oh, shit, what's the word? for giant monsters. Kaiju? Kaiju movies to hold you over until then. Is Kong a kaiju? Could you just... Okay. Well, I mean, could he be considered a kaiju? Your mom could be considered a kaiju. I'm trying to start a legitimate conversation here, you asshole. I don't... know because he's not... I mean, do they have have to be Asian to be a kaiju? Do they have to be from Japan? Are they racist? (laughs) They don't like round eyes? (laughs) Because he's from Skull Island, which is its own, like, unincorporated international waters. Is it out in the Pacific somewhere? Probably. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> um, I don't know. Whatever. Don't yeah. nobody want to see this? This is going to be dumb. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> that's that's my point. <laughs> uh, but I, there will be people who want to see it. You know there will. I guess. Nobody's going to like it. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. The people who want to see it are going to be so disappointed. Yeah. So why even fucking bother? <laughs> um, uh, oh, God. The new Universal Mummy is being talked about again. Uh, this time, Mummy might be female. Oh, interesting. Um, the Hollywood Reporter uh, sources uh, say the gender of the monster in the new film which is set to be in the modern day, will likely depend on the casting. Yeah. That's how things usually work. <laughs> well, no, it doesn't. That's nonsense. I take that back. Ignore I said that. I thought you were being sarcastic, and I was agreeing with you. If you were being sarcastic. If you were being serious. No, you're, you're wrong. I was thinking backwards, if that makes sense. Um, well, read the next line, and it'll all make sense. Will it? Will it make sense? There are two story options. One that would feature a female monster, one that would feature a male. What? Does it have to be different? Why not just write two movies, then? Oh, my God. This is so dumb. Universal. Make make two movies, The Mummy and The Fee Mummy. <laughs> the Fee Mummy? The Bride of the Mummy? Um, no, it's sexist. They can't call it that. Because that, that implies that... Call uh, it The Mummy and the Daddy. <laughs> That's bad. Yeah, that's uh, bad. I'm sorry. I apologize for that. <laughs> but how necessary is it for the mummy to be a female? Well, like, I I don't understand why you wouldn't just write a movie and then cast based on what's written. That's usually how it works. Usually, yeah. Um, 
they're just doing a lot of extra work here. Yeah. For and not a really a, that great of a payoff. Yeah. Most likely. Again, nobody's going to like this. If you make a female mummy, and it has nothing to do with sexism, it's because people want to see the mummy, the one they know, uh, and you're really fucking with that. And people don't like it when you fuck with their expectations. Yeah. <laughs> so just don't even bother. That's that's my new stance on things. It's like, well, nobody's going to want to see that. It's going to suck, so why are you bothering? That's a good good strategy. Yeah. Uh, just save your money. Come up with a better or original idea. Either one at this point. doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, carry on that way. Take a risk. Uh, having a female's mummy is not a risk. It's a publicity stunt. Yeah. And it's nonsense. Anyway. Yeah, they wrote two separate stories for two fucking characters that aren't even set in stone. So, fuck off. Tentative March 24th, 2017 release date. If anyone cares. Uh, speaking of things that no one's going to like and will probably suck, the sequel to Annabelle has been greenlit. Uh, writer Gary Doberman is returning to write the script again. Uh, director John Leonetti said, nah, I'm good. Okay, let's, let's that's, not. that's a hard pass. Uh, but James Wan will return again to produce, which means he won't do anything. He'll just put his name on it and throw money at it. And people will go, James Wan, oh my God. <laughs> Uh, if you like paying too much for recycled crap, then <laughs> this might entice you. Rob Zombie's in, uh, releasing his own line of uh, limited edition candy. Uh, it's being sold on his website. Uh, it's going to be packaged in three limited edition cardboard coffins, featuring featuring cartoon conversions. Yeah, fart, fart, fartoon versions, <laughs> cartoon versions of the Creeper, the Living Dead Wait, Girl. What's the Creeper? Uh, it's the guy, uh, it's, he's metal and he's got, uh, the big jagged teeth from Guar. No, not from Guar. You can look it up. They should make Guar candy. Maybe they do. It'd probably be disgusting. Yeah. It'd probably like it, it, it would look gross and you think, Oh, that's cute. And then you eat it and it actually tastes gross. Yeah. Tastes like fucking vomit or something. Like blood and semen. (laughs) Um, so, yes, uh, three boxes with the Creeper, Living Dead Girl, and Zombie himself. Cartoon version, of course. Um, it is kind of like um, Great American Nightmare persona. He looks like, well, kind of a zombie, I guess. X, okay. X carved in his forehead. Right, yeah. Um, the thing is, though, and what prompted me to say recycled crap, uh, this is not original candy. Uh, these are three existing candies uh, that have been repackaged. Uh, they're, they're apparently Rob Zombie's favorite <clears throat> and apparently purposely vegan. So I guess he's vegan. There's there's no meat in them. They're candy. Well, there's like no animal by or not byproducts, but animal products, milk or. Um, Is there a lot of milk in Sour Patch Kids? I doubt it. <laughs> Most gummies are vegan. Yeah, exactly. That's my point. He picked vegan candies. 
on purpose. Oh, I thought they were like made to be vegan. No. Oh. They're just – they happen to be vegan. Oh, okay. But the Creeper uh, is going to compact with Sour Patch Kids. Sure. Uh, the Living Dead Girl will compact with Jolly Ranchers. You can buy a bag of Jolly Ranchers for like five dollars. And like you mean like a huge bag, like yeah. to hand out to trick or treaters size right. bag. You can give them like a fistful of Jolly Ranchers yeah. and not break the bank. Right. <laughs> uh and then the Rob Zombie is gonna have lemon heads. So there's that, you know, if you're really looking forward to you know, candy that you're paying too much for. It's it's dumb. Don't buy it. <laughs> Uh, finally, we've talked to you before about Fox's Rocky Horror variety show, whatever the fuck they're doing. Um, they have cast their Dr. Frank Enferter in the form of Laverne Cox. You may recognize Laverne Cox as the transge- transgender star of Orange is the New Black. If you have Netflix. Right. But who doesn't have Netflix? I'm sure there are some people. Homeless people. They're probably not listening to us right now because no. they don't have the internet. Right. <laughs> Because otherwise they'd have Netflix. I mean, please. Right. Come on. <laughs> Stupids. Uh, that's going to air fall of 2016. Right. And probably suck. Yeah, maybe. Laverne Cox is good, though. I know, but again, it's something that's just unnecessary. Oh, well, sure. Um, didn't Let's see. Rocky Horror started as a stage show, right? Did it? Before it was a movie? I don't know. I'm almost certain it was. Okay. I'll take your word for it. So, it, you know, if it's going to be like a, another stage show, then I can understand that. Um, but it's not going to have meatloaf. No. Well, it might have meatloaf. Maybe he'll make it. He's still kicking around. Yeah. He's, he's still alive. <laughs> um, you know, he's Bob with the tits. Right. Bitch tits. <laughs> Um, but I was telling you the other day that I was, I saw some commercials for the BBC. Apparently they're doing which like pretty much exactly what I expected this to be. And on that, they actually, I didn't know who he was, but they basically had the black Tim Curry playing freaking bird. (laughs) Like dude looked, he's like, like his twin. It was weird. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. It's actual transvestite, so why not? All right, well, that's going to wrap up horror business. <laughs> it, yeah. Um, so we we have two Halloween movies for you. Um, one is Hellions and one is Tales of Halloween. Uh, we've been talking about this for, what, a year? Yeah, at least. Um, and we were both really excited to see it. We had a special treat. We actually had an interview. Uh, like trick or treat. Ah. Uh, uh. Because it's Halloween. Boop. <laughs> Everybody's listening thinking, what did they just do? <laughs> Don't worry about it. Uh, but we had a special treat. Uh, we talked to an actress that was actually in Tales of Halloween, which is something that we haven't done before. No. Um, so let's jump into our interview with Casey Ruggieri.
everyone. You're here with Skeletoni. And Taylor of Terror. And today we're talking to a special guest. Uh, first time, I think, ever on our show, we're actually speaking to someone that was involved with a film that we are reviewing on the same episode. Yeah. Um, we are here with Casey Ruggieri from Tales of Halloween. How you doing, Casey? Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for coming on. Uh, glad to have you here. Um, so uh, h- how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm good. How are you guys? Can't complain. We uh, we got a <laughs> Halloween party tonight that we're looking forward to. So. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah, it is the season. It's all it's all coming down to Halloween, yeah. Yeah. I'm excited, too. Halloween's a really fun time. Yeah. It's actually my favorite holiday. Is it? Yes, it is. More than Way more than Christmas. Everyone thinks I'm weird. I love Halloween. I have since I was a kid. I'm right there with you. Yeah, see, I, I, I like Halloween. I've always been more of a Christmas person, but, uh, you know, teach their own, I guess. <laughs> well, most people are, yeah. I yeah. don't know, Halloween for me was always really magical. I grew up in upstate New York in the fall there, so awesome. And oh, it yes. Really too, you know? Yeah, Taylor, you know, he, he lived there for several years, and I actually was just there on my honeymoon last last uh, October. Oh, uh, yeah, it's cool. gorgeous up there. In the fall, it's amazing. Yeah, we, we spent a few days in uh, in Sleepy Hollow, and uh, Ooh, cool. yeah, it was pretty cool. <laughs> it's beautiful, especially when the leaves are all changing colors. It's it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's something you know, being a West Coaster my entire life, it's something I'd never you know really oh. witnessed before. So yeah, it's pretty spectacular. Yeah, it's very photo worthy. <laughs> And we're up here in the evergreen state, so we don't get a whole lot of leaves changing colors. But yeah. <laughs> where they do, I love it. Right. So, um, I guess to start off with, why don't you just uh, maybe tell us a little bit about yourself and, um, you know, how, uh, I guess your your career thus far. Um, maybe what what got you into acting? Okay, sure. Um, me. So, yeah, like I was saying, I'm from, originally from upstate New York, and I I always studied acting and theater, and I was always into uh, writing and film as well, and I ended up going to school at Ithaca for, for cinema and photography, when I studied film and acting, and then kind of, you know, as a lot of actors do, made my way to Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and been here just, uh, you know, doing the same, kind of plugging away, building the career, doing... Uh, some TV here and there, some films, a lot of commercials, and so far it's been really great. And I'm, I like LA. I lived in New York City for a little bit, and between the two, I actually prefer it here. <laughs> it's a little more, it's a little easier to live here. I think the quality of life's a little better, uh, and there's more work personally for me. I've had, I've found that there's a little more work for on the acting side out here. That's what I'm good. That's what yeah, I've heard. I mean, yeah. we're not really directly yeah. involved with the industry, right. but. Um, yeah, I just seems to. I mean, nowadays things are shooting everywhere, which is great. But I think there, that it's still kind of the epicenter of uh, television and film, so it's a good place to be. And I, I'm, I have a nice life here. I'm pretty happy. And um, it was kind of great to get Tales of Halloween because, as I was saying, it's it is Halloween is my favorite holiday. So it ended up just kind of being really cool to be in a film that was took place specifically on my favorite day. So that was fun. And now that it's out and everything's happening, it's been really cool to see what's come of it yes so um this is the the second horror movie you've been in correct actually yeah yeah there was one i did um a couple years back called the garlock incident which was a found footage film and that was a a awesome thing to do really good experience different from tales of halloween but yeah this is the second one i've done a feature are you are you a big horror movie fan you know something uh 
Yes, yes and no. I, I, I am because I like psychological thrillers, and I'm not as into the gory movies, but I am into the ones that kind of mess with your head. Like well, the ones that are like, you go to sleep at night, you're like, ah, oh, is that going to happen to me? Could <laughs> that happen? Could I wake up and there's going to be like a demon in my room? But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I've kind of always been into it. I was, um, as a kid, I don't know exactly when it started, but I, I, like like a little weird girl, I got into like like reading ghost stories, but not just ghost stories, like case studies of paranormal activity in people's homes. I don't know how I got my hands on that stuff as a ten year old, <laughs> but I did. Like I went to my public library and was like, let me look up all. I just I don't know how I found it, but I found stuff like that. So I was reading like actual, you know, like documentary, like as if they're documented, and it's a scientific export, like you know, discovery of. It was just really funny that I was really into that stuff, and it kind of has progressed, and I've always kind of stayed in that world and I've always been really interested in it and uh, amateur ghost hunting and all that stuff so uh, yeah always been a fan of it so what are some of your favorite horror movies then well my my favorite movie is The Shining um, just in general that is my favorite movie which sometimes people think is a little weird uh, I uh, but also like some kind of obscure ones from like I don't even know, like the 80s or 90s. Like, I, do you remember? Um, I don't know if you've even seen it, but this movie that stuck with me because I saw it, you know, when I was a kid. I snuck down and watching movies at night when my parents didn't know I was. Uh, the Gate. Oh, oh yes, yeah. <laughs> we love The Gate. Yes. Okay, yeah, it's just total like you have. It's kind of obscure, but like Stephen Dorff is probably like seven or eight in it. Right. But it's just it creeps me out so much because of the the claymation creatures. I mean, that was just the minions, so the original minions. Yeah. Yeah, right? (laughs) And, like, the eyeball on his hand. So that movie kind of stuck with me. And then another one that I really like in the horror realm is a movie called In the Mouth of Madness. Yes. I don't know if you guys saw. You guys know. Okay. Yeah, Sam Neill. So that was, yeah, Sam Neill. And that movie is just a weird head trip. It's very, it's just so cerebral. And kind of, I like movies like that that kind of stick with you afterwards and give you kind of an uneasy feeling. It's not necessarily, like, oh, that was gross, and I'm scared because it was so gory and shocking, but it's more like kind of creeps into your brain and stays yeah, there for yeah. a while. So those are the kind of movies I really dig. All right, I find your answer acceptable. We can continue this interview. <laughs> okay, good, good. <laughs> like I'm scared weird horror movies, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think like... <clears throat> to find the, I mean, it's like, you know, it's it's almost like people who really enjoy like uh, flea market shopping or something. Like, you find these you find these little gems and throughout, you know, or somebody will tell you about a movie they saw. This movie was made in 1985, you got to check it out. And it's just like, it's fun to find them and discover them. If you're into that stuff. I have friends who can't even, you know, can't even watch a scary movie at all, but... <laughs> Too bad for them. <laughs> yeah, that's that's something I've never really understood is the people that can't that can't tolerate horror. It's like this, yeah, there's so yeah, many ba- yeah. worse things going on in real life. How can you be so afraid right. of horror? <laughs> right. Yeah. Some people just have queasy stomachs. It, uh, yeah. Or or the people that would love the horror movies and all the gore, but then they, when they see a drop of blood, they're like, Bleh. <laughs> <laughs> everyone to each his own, I guess. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> that's you. <laughs> Great. <laughs> So okay, you uh, on um, God, sorry, having a brain fart here. <laughs> uh, so in Tales of Halloween, um, you were in the segment Trick, um, and uh, in that you worked with uh, God Adam G- Garash. Garash. Ah, okay, that's another name I was going to butcher. Um, yeah, I've heard it pronounced a couple of day, a couple of different ways too, but I think it's Adam Garash. Okay, um, I'm watching him saying it wrong, and he'll he'll hunt me down. <laughs> Uh, s- yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. 
No, you go ahead. I can ask your question. I'll, I'll just talk all day, so go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, Adam, if you want to come on the show and tell us how to pronounce your name, you, you can do that. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so I think uh, horror fans will probably know him best for uh, you know the Night of the Demons remake and Toolbox, Murder, yeah. Toolbox Murders. How, how was he as a, a director? How was he to work with? Man, he is awesome. He is like this kooky, fun. His sense of humor is is great. First of all, he's like he'll keep you laughing, but he's so weird. Like he's a weird, kooky guy, and he finds humor in the strangest things. And he'll definitely relate it to you. Like his sense of humor comes across on on set for sure. And I think it translates in his film a little. I mean, he's the you know his sick sense of humor to make kids like these evil killers. Uh, but it, he's really fun. It, it it was not it was not boring at all that set, and it was really great because. Speaking of people, you know, being into Halloween, he and his wife, who are, you know, his wife writes and produces with him, and her name is, um, uh, excuse me, they, uh, they um, had a Halloween party at their their house where we, sh- we actually shot the movie. Uh, like, you know, we shot the movie, I think, like a week or two weeks after Halloween, and they just left the de- decorations up, and we just went in and shot the movie. So it was really authentic. Nice. It was like, you know, we, it was all decked out for Halloween, and they just left it up. And they're, it was really funny because they're super into Halloween and, and all things scary. So it was kind of really authentic and cool to just shoot at their house with with their their Halloween decorations. I mean, the art department came in and did a little stuff too, but it was pretty much ready to go. It was really fun. Nice. And the kids had a blast too. It was a good shoot. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, were you familiar with Adam's work beforehand? Um, not extremely. I had seen it seen it here or there. I wasn't like an avid follower of his or anything, and and I wasn't actually really too deeply involved in the indie horror uh, filmmaking world at all. Until, and I booked this film, so coming into this was very, it was interesting because it was, you really get a sense, especially on set, of how tight-knit the community is in the indie horror world, especially out here in Los Angeles. They're all, they're all friends, they're all working together, they're all so supportive of each other. And I think this movie is really indicative of that, um, showing that world, because all these directors are friends, and they all got together and made this movie and then you have everyone on set they all knew each other and adam even cast like his friend's kids in the movie so it was just <laughs> it was really cool it was kind of um i kind of equate it to like coming to um a family dinner as like the long lost cousin and sitting down at the table with everyone who they were very inviting and very welcoming and it was really just cool to step into that world and be part of it and and it's surprising it's 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 very heartwarming because it's like you're thinking oh horror movies oh it's gonna be everyone's gonna be weird and, and creepy and hey. scary but it's like these people are the most loving fun energetic people they all really get along they get each other it was really cool to be around and it made the set because we were you know we're shooting in the middle of the night all night and you know as you guys know in southern california in the desert it gets cold at night so i mean it was like not the most comfortable conditions but it was such a fun set and everyone was having a great time because they were such friends and you know they knew what they were doing and they they knew how to work with each other and it was a blast it was really fun nice you said it was out in the desert was that like uh like no no i just like how it gets so cold at night oh yeah 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 especially out in the valley oh man yeah so it was like you know shooting like i think that we shot from like we got there at 4 p.m and we shot i think all the way to like 4 a.m something like that so you know in the middle of the night and you're Poor, poor Tiffany had to like go in the pool. <laughs> it was, just, oh, yeah. it was a lot of like, oh, it's cold, <laughs> but everyone was in a great mood the whole time, and it was it was fun, super fun. Was there a lot of crossover with the other segments? Like, were you all kind of filming in the same time frame, or they were? I think they had a certain set time frame that they were shooting in but adams was the first to shoot so no pressure Adams. but yeah he was the first segment to shoot 
so it was it, that was cool too because everyone came you know we shot two days everyone kind of all the directors and the producers came to set either one of the days or both of the days and they were like checking in and I think amongst themselves they had a friendly competition as they were going like as they were shooting each segment it was like which one they're trying to top each other I guess in a little bit like in playful ways is what I'm, I was told and what they're talking about so I, I didn't get to see the other sets but I, I uh, you know those are stories that were going back and forth but um it was fun it was really fun and um they shot first. I'm not sure of the sequence, like who shot next, but I do know that a lot of the directors made little cameos in each other's in each other's segments, which I thought was really neat. I noticed that it was there's yeah. not very really yeah. prominent. <laughs> it was very quick. I mean, most right. of them, but yeah, yeah, very eye. very like, Hitchcocky and like, oh, I think there there goes there goes Axel. Oh, was that Mike? Yep. <laughs> was he just? I think it was him. Yeah, it was fun. It's, and then once you kind of clue into that, like you're aware, you're like looking for it. I think it's fun to find little puzzles in the. In the segments as you go through, yeah, like pieces of the puzzle. Yeah, there were just there were definitely like little bits that kind of tied most of the segments together. Yeah, I I thought that was nice. I didn't know they were going to do that. I had no idea just because I was just cast in the one and meeting Adam, you know, and I met the producers, but I didn't really, I hadn't read the scripts for the other segments, so I had no idea how they were going to string it together. Mm -hmm. So at first, I'm like, oh, these are just you know ten different segments that are going to be plugged into this movie, and they had no correlation but i loved the way that they threaded them together it came out really really well i thought it was really fun and and just really lighthearted how they did it and such a great it's a, i hadn't seen the movie till the premiere here at the scream fest in los angeles and mm-hmm. i was i mean i, I got to see, it was really good because i got to see it in a packed room and they sold it out so it was a lot of industry people but it was also a lot of fans which was great because it was at a you know a horror film fest is where it premiered here and so Seeing it with the fans was just so cool because everyone was like screaming and laughing and they were really into it and clapping and it was just it was fun. So that was the best way to see it. It was really great. Packed house of horror fans. Jealous? Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> so did you get to meet a lot of the the other actors and directors and stuff that? Yeah, yeah. You meet them as you go. Like now that they're into the screenings and all the events for all the movies and meeting everybody. And it's the same thing. It's this transfer, like everyone who was on set to being at the premiere or whatever. Everyone's so cool. They're just like, this is our family. We did it. We made this movie. It's really, really awesome to be a part of that. It's really cool. Was it intimidating at all to be around these like genre icons like you know Lin Shay and? Oh, oh my God, yeah, totally. Yeah, come as a newbie, like a new the new kid on the block coming in. Yeah, for sure, for sure. You're like, oh my God, that's Lin Shay, and she is awesome. Like she's so, <laughs> but she's so funny. You know, she's really comic actually too, and she she's very playful and makes a lot of jokes, and she was cool to meet. And all the other directors were very down to earth and friendly. And I think at the end of the day, it's just. They're just a bunch of film nerds who want to make movies, and you know they happen to be a group of friends, and they're really into thriller and horror, and and they made this awesome thing together, and and you can you can really get on board with it, you know, it, just that aspect of it alone. As a as as a as a creative person, you can really kind of get on board with like here's a group of people who are creative and artistic, and they did this thing, and and they made it happen, and it worked, and it came out really well, and I I, I love that. I think that's like it's. As an artist working, whether an actor or a filmmaker or a musician or whatever, something that comes out collaboratively so well and it works out, I think that's there's a little bit of a miracle in that. It's really hard to do, and I think that Tales of Halloween pulls it off, and I think that everyone's pretty happy with it. And I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. Just being the part of it that I was on the actor side has been really fun and good, good experience. Um, so... I, I guess, like looking back to when you, you're first looking at a script, uh, what what attracted you to working on the project? Well, I 
I mean, because I've always been a fan of supernatural and horror, so I think I would have gravitated to it no matter what. Uh, but uh, like any, like it, coming to this, like I didn't get the script ahead of time. It was came came down the pipe, kind of as most of my regular auditions do, which was came through my manager. He's like, "Hey, you want to audition for this horror movie?" I'm like, "Yeah, here's the side. Okay, cool." <laughs> Uh, go, I, you know, I work on it, you know, as any actor does normally, the normal method, go into the audition. And this was the one thing that I thought was really cool that Adam did and maybe separates him from other directors because I have never had an audition like this before. Uh, he brought us in as a group. So most auditions, especially the first audition, you go in and you read with a reader or maybe you read with the director or somebody's, somebody's reading the other part to you and you're reacting to them. And that's kind of how a normal one works. He brought in all the auditioners together who are reading the different parts, and we read as a group. So that was really cool because you can really get into it. You can really um, react and work off each other, work off the other actors. And, and the scene we auditioned with, I believe, was the scene, well, I don't want to give any spoilers, but it was a, one of the higher higher energy scenes in that in that segment. So it was great to be able to play off the other actors, and I think that really lends itself to the audition. And Adam was—I mean, I've never been in with an, a director who's done that before, so that was really cool. And then after that, I was like, "This guy, this guy's all right. There's something going on here." He, and plus, he's just so weird and kooky and funny. I was like, "I want to—I definitely want to work with him." And then I ended up getting cast, and oh, that's kind of how it went down. It was fun. Well, yeah, that's cool because then you're acting opposite someone else who is trying to, you know, be equally as impressive and not just someone who's reading words off a page. Yes, exactly. It's way better to read with someone who's in the scene with you and, and, and trying to, you know, do their thing and be emotionally invested as well, as opposed to just someone who, like, you know, hey, you're reading today. Here's a script. Good. And, and, like, maybe they hadn't even read it yet. You never know when you're going in. So it's it was really great to, to do it with um, with other actors. And it's funny, when I was walking up to the audition place, I didn't hadn't met Adam yet, had, didn't know him from Adam. And he was outside, and he's, like, this bald, he shaves his head. You know, he wears, like, hoodies. He was outside smoking a cigarette. I'm like, oh, who's this guy? And he's like, you're an actress? I'm like, yeah. He's like, the auditions are upstairs. Just, just go on up. I'll be up in a second. And I was like, okay, weirdo. Who are you? I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. And I go upstairs, and he comes in. I'm like, oh, that was the director. Okay, cool. <laughs> so that was my very first impression of him was like, some guy on the street telling me where my audition was. Who are you? Yeah. Funny. Good thing you were like, fuck <laughs> off, bum. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, I was like Get away, screw you, buddy. Get away from me. No, it was that was Adam. It was my first time meeting him. <laughs> so you knew right away you were going to be in Trick. It wasn't like you were cast as in a generic way and then cast into a, a, right. a scene oh, yeah. later. Right. We, we got the actual the actual sides from from the script and and auditioned with those, and then yeah, I was cast in his his spot. I think each director probably did their own casting of their. I think whether they used the casting office or did it themselves or whatever method they used. I think each director kind of. Um, heralded that ship during casting. So yeah, his was the only one I really had any any uh, time with and, until I actually saw the movie. If you could have been in any other segment, which one would you have picked? Oh man, that's really hard. <laughs> I really all of them. They're all they're all really unique and fun. Um, I think aside, I mean, Trick was great, and to me, I thought it was actually one of the scarier ones because you know. Some of them are more lighthearted and more festive and playful, but this one was actually kind of like, ooh, like it was like, oh, is it really happening? These kids are insane. So that was fun to be in and just work with the kids because they were really into it. They were like creepily way too into it. But um, <laughs> my favorite, I really like, although there wasn't really a part for me, I think I really liked um, the night Billy raised hell. I thought that was fun. I thought that one was really fun because it really brought out my inner rebellious. Like, if I was a 10-year-old kid, I would want to be in that one because it's, <laughs> like, havoc. And it, like, spoke to my inner rebellious child. 
And I thought Barry Boswick was really good as the devil. He's always devil really good. So that was on. Oh my god, that was Darren's bit, right? That was Darren. Darren Bossman's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. They're all great. I mean, I also liked um, was it Ding Dong? That really weird one. That the Lucky one McKee cool. one. Yes, that one was good too. That was fun. It was so off offsetting. I was just like, what is happening here? <laughs> that would have that would have been a fun role to play too. Just to play this crazy witch lady. But yeah, they were all really fun. Yeah. Uh, so you're talking about the people you're working with. Uh, what was it like uh, working with uh, Tiffany Shepis? You know, she's kind of known as kind of a new age screen queen. Definitely, she's great. It was that was a cool experience because I think this was her first time um, working. Her daughter was in the mil- in the movie. Um, Mia was in the movie. She played the little witch. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So that was that was her daughter, and I think that was Mia's first time acting in a movie and very first time with her mother. So that was fun to be around. It was that that's what I mean too when I said it was very familial and community oriented on set. Like, hey, it's Tiffany, and that's her daughter, and she's they're both in the movie, and <laughs> it was fun. Tiffany's cool. She she's like she's she was great. It was cool to watch her work, and she and watch her scream and die and everything. And so it was really <laughs> fun. Watch, that was great. Watch the pro. <laughs> right, watch the pro at work. <laughs> um. So as far as like trick goes, it's it's you know we don't want to give anything away, but it's kind of. Like it starts out, you think it's going one way, and then it kind of goes another way, and then it kind of goes a third way. Very another way, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it starts out like oh, it's just a bunch of dudes hanging out on their couch on Halloween watching movies, and then it's like, yeah, and then the kids get there, and you're like, okay, and then yeah, it kind of starts to head south real quick. Yeah, it's like it started out, you know, uh, with I guess it was four of you, right? Um, you know, just taking it on the couch and seem like you're all like kind of drunk and stoned. Just like, oh god, another one of these. But then, right, yeah, right. took a turn. <laughs> yes, it does. It takes a, it takes a turn. Really takes, um, yeah, and that, that Adam jokes about that because he said he. I think he'll probably catch him in an interview or something when he's talking about it because people ask him. He's like, they had. He actually had to edit the script because, as he quote, uh, I think he was breaking some federal laws with uh, with his. Uh, First, second, first draft of the script because these are not <laughs> with children, and uh, we had to kind of bring it back up to like a more of an RPG seventeen thirteen rating than than what he wanted to originally do. I think, but uh, yeah, it gets a little dark. But I think, and there's still some because it's so shocking. I think that you think when things are so like what it, it, there's some humor in that too. So I think there's there's an element of. Um, hilarity in it too that it's just so like what is happening uh yeah <laughs> but the, this is the thing like working with kids is great but these guys were really into the parts they were playing and I was like you guys are way too excited to do <laughs> what you I'm not I don't want to have any spoilers if no one's seen it yet but I'm like you guys are just really creeping me out right now <laughs> <laughs> I was shooting like through the night and like they never lost their like sometimes you know as an adult you get tired it's three in the morning you know the kids the whole night were like yeah I can't wait to do this they were just like oh, I think they were just eating candy the whole night and they were like <laughs> on sugar highs the whole time <laughs> but it was fun they were really into it yeah I'm but sure that was great that that yeah, last oh sorry oh go ahead I was just saying that last shot of the segment I'm sure that was probably a little intimidating <laughs> even even in a in a real life situation <laughs> yeah definitely. <laughs> I was like, yeah, they're like all standing over me. I'm like, oh man. <laughs> I think I actually did get hit with something too, because you know, we had props and things like that. But I was like, don't swing that too. Okay, you hit me a little too hard. <laughs> it was fun. I know I'm just like, a, what can I say without giving anything away? But, right. Yeah. Oh, 
good. They were fun. They were. It was like because I think there were four. For, yeah, there were like four or five kids on the set, and so they they became fast friends. And then it was just like, oh, we can't wait to do that. They were just like, like freaking out. So <laughs> we can't wait to kill you. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly that. I don't think they were like really excited to do that. And it was, I think for a lot of them, it was their first time being on a set or on a, at least on a film set. And so they were. It was fun to be around their energy, just watching them go go nuts. <laughs> Kids, kids love Halloween anyway, automatically. So I think like if you're a ten year old kid and you get to then you get to be in a horror movie too. It's like the best day ever. Yeah, definitely. So um, what's 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 up next for you? I know. Mean, uh, are you? Do you have any projects while you're working on, or do you have anything down the pipeline somewhere? Yeah, I mean, I, I originally I had booked a pilot this last season that was um was was set to recur like a recurring character on an NBC pilot and I don't think that got greenlit there was talk of it going so who knows if they'll bring it back this this pilot season um and as far as project my personal projects I'm I'm cuz I I've always I've been writing and I when I first moved to Los Angeles I produced a couple things for people like short films and things so I think this next my my creative life will be getting my own stuff going like I've got a couple scripts that I've written and I kind of want to you know put on the director hat and see see what shakes out with that so I think that'll be something that I'll be be doing in the you know coming months is just kind of writing and working on my own projects will they be horror possibly possibly <laughs> I think that just being around it has wet my appetite for it a little more so I think that that's some stuff I'm going to kind of put the director hat on and see what I can come up with at least start with shorts and work my way up from there uh, so I'm excited for that and, um, you know, I, I don't know if your listeners know, like, how L.A. works, but, you know, you typically have pilot season that comes up, uh, you know, January, February, March is um, when they start casting for the new shows that will be on in the fall. So that that is always something that um, most actors can. That's, like, the busy season, so that will be something to right. be looking forward to and getting ready for. Um, so you talk about, uh, you know, writing and producing and directing your own stuff. Um Aside from horror, what what kind of genres are you typically driven to towards? I'm a, well. I'm a big fan. I mean, I am also comedy. I really love comedy. That's something I'm drawn toward as well. And it's funny because I've it's it's kind of weird to go back and forth between horror and comedy, but or drama and comedy. And it's it's kind of um, something actors always always reference or talk about is if you can do drama you can if you can do comedy you can do drama because it's it's actually really tough to do comedy uh it's very nuanced and it's um it's Time. a lot more subtle i think timing uh so that's the thing i've always you know if, if seeing films or actors who can pull it off really well i've always admired that so that's something i'm drawn to as well and i, I kind of have a comedic bend and i've you know just uh, in, in my family and everything there's a lot of there's definitely some through lines of sarcasm and just <laughs> a lot of dry humor and that's always something that's been with me uh, so that's that's a world I I am gravitate to as well. Awesome. In that, in that film world. Cool. Yeah. Well, well um, I guess uh, maybe we'll kind of wrap things up a bit, um, and uh, maybe if you want to go ahead and uh, plug your, uh, your 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 Facebook and Twitter and all that, just so people can keep track of you. Sure. Sure, that would be awesome. Yeah, so I'm just, it's at, um, at Casey Ruggieri on Twitter, which is C-A-S-E-Y-R-U-G-G-I-E-R-I. That's my handle at Twitter. It's the same as Facebook. My, it's just my name everywhere, Casey Ruggieri. I didn't do anything weird, so you guys can find me. <laughs> and then Tales of Halloween opened on October 16th, and it is playing in Los Angeles, actually, over at the TLC Chinese Six Theater in Hollywood until the 22nd or 3rd. I think there's a screening tonight, actually, at 8th. You can go check that out. 
and it's also streaming. You can download it on iTunes. It's on demand. And it's definitely, I would recommend it, like, watch it on Halloween or watch it up going up to Halloween. It's a super fun, scary, festive Halloween movie. It's like one of those movies you can watch every year on Halloween, I thought. I probably will. <laughs> it's really fun. I said fun a lot, didn't I? For something, <laughs> talking about scary movies. And I, I, that's how twisted I am. I'm like, scary is gory and creepy. It's fun to me. That's pretty much the theme of our show. Yeah. Yeah, hope you're good. Then I fit right in. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, is that, that going to scare the crap out of someone? That's fun. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was a lot of fun. Thanks, you guys, for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming on. It's a lot of fun talking to you. Um, yeah. And uh, hope to uh, see you in some some upcoming things. And we uh, really enjoyed Tales of Halloween, and hope uh, hope that really picks up and you know get a lot yeah. of success from it. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, it was great talking with you guys. Yeah, you too. Take care. Okay, have a good day. All right, bye-bye. bye bye. Bye. I got that grave plot. I got that grave plot. I got that grave plot. It's right off the highway. Wobble dee wobble dee drop into my grave plot. You afraid of death? Well, I'm afraid not. Cause I got the bomb spot right off the highway. I did it my way. A very small percent. How about that interview? How about it? It was good. Really nice lady. Yep. Um, America's sweetheart. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I am now in full costume. Yes, you are. Uh, the, the house is beginning to smell of pumpkin. It's finally feeling like a, like a Halloween special. <laughs> Still no candy corn, though. Well, you can go buy your own goddamn candy corn. Well, is that what you're going to tell the trick-or-treaters? We don't get trick-or-treaters. Shove my microphone right into my face, why don't you? That's what you get. You don't get trick-or-treaters? No. We, God, I think we bought candy a couple of couple years maybe just the first year we were here uh and yeah no no trick-or-treaters not a one that's pretty surprising yeah so we just had a big bowl of candy for ourselves oh that doesn't sound so bad uh it is when you're not trying to be a fat ass <laughs> well touche <laughs> um anyway but uh yeah thanks a lot for to casey for coming on it was nice talking to you and um so from here we move on to our reviews Yeah, two brand new Halloween movies. Yeah, which it's funny that we've like talked about on the show how there's not that many Halloween movies as far as movies that actually like take place on Halloween. Yeah, and they're like not not just take place on Halloween, but actually are Halloween themed. Right, um, and yet this year we have two. Right, so we can add those to the roster. Yeah. Um. So of the two, which one do you want to start with? Well, I mean, since we just talked with one of the stars of Tales of Halloween, I think it's only right that we start with Tales of Halloween. All right. Every year on Halloween, this town goes batshit crazy. Trick or treat.
slightest idea what you're dealing with. Okay, so Tales of Halloween is a difficult movie to rate, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's a little different than other movies because it's an anthology. But, I mean, you know, there's Trick or Treat and Creep Show and stuff. But this one, it's ten different stories. Yeah. Whereas, I mean, like, Trick or Treat was four. Mm-hmm. Creep Show was three, I think. Was it only three? I thought it was four also. It may have been four. Mm-hmm. It's been a while since I've seen it. I might be forgetting one. Um, but, uh, yeah. And, you know, this being a Halloween movie, you know, strictly Halloween-themed, and being an anthology, it's obviously going to draw a lot of comparisons to Trick or Treat. Don't. Uh, hmm? Don't. No. This is not really like Trick or Treat at all. Uh, you've got ten segments, ten directors all with a different style um, of, you know, not only directing, but storytelling um, and, you know, uh, cinematography. And it's very apparent in all these segments that they're directed by different people. Yes. Um, And um, as far as, like, you know, Trick or Treat had not really a wraparound story, but a, a central character in Sam that tied all of them together. And there are obviously crossovers between the, the segments mm-hmm. uh, or vignettes, however you want to refer to them, um, with different characters that had been in other ones, um, and that's the case in this one too, to an extent. It's not very prominent. But you don't really have one character that ties them all together. You've got, you know, this story might have somebody from this story that ties them together, yeah. and then that one has someone from this story and it ties those two together, but not one that just brings it all into one. The one constant, actually, that is in most of them, I don't think all of them, but is a radio DJ yeah. played by Adrian Barbeau. And aside from just a brief appearance in, in the opening credits, actually, uh, you don't see her. It's just, it's all narration. Mm-hmm. Um, and she kind of leads in most of the stories, not mm-hmm. all of them. Um, and... Uh, yeah, so like, like I said, 10 stories that are all very different. Um, first of which being a story called Sweet Tooth. Uh, it's directed, written, and edited by David Parker, who I guess is, is his most recent, or not necessarily recent, but most famous credit. Was that Dead Ate the Living? That, that was the uh, most prominent thing that stood out to me. I'll bring it back up and see anything else. Go ahead and keep talking. Uh, so, I mean, God, that was... 15 years ago that came out. Um, but, uh, yeah, so Sweet Tooth is the story of, um, what is his name, Mikey? Oh, God, I don't remember. There, there, the Another constant in this is a lot of characters didn't have uh, character names. At least if they did, they weren't really noticed i guess <laughs> um they weren't like a primary focus i guess maybe they were just supposed to be uh maybe it was an oversight i don't know maybe it was just uh trying to keep these people generic you know they you know this could be like anywhere usa basically yeah 
Um, but anyway, Sweet Tooth tells the story of this of this boy and his babysitter, um, and his babysitter's there, or his babysitter's boyfriend is also there, and it's pretty clear he's not supposed to be. Um, and this kid's just sitting there, just mouthfuls of chocolate. He's dressed as Snake Plissken. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> um, and he actually shows up in another bit. Yeah. While he's trick-or-treating. Um, and, uh, so he's just getting these, these, like I said, these mouthfuls of chocolate and his boyfriend says, you know, you better save some of that for Sweet Tooth. The boy says, well, who's Sweet Tooth? The kid, when he was eating all the candy, he was... The noises were, uh... <laughs> the noises in this one are intolerable. He's, he's a little orgasmic. Yeah. He's just like, oh, oh, it's so good. Uh, Sweet Tooth, uh, he tells a story of Sweet Tooth, or the boyfriend does, um, <clears throat> and basically Sweet Tooth is a kid, or was a kid, who his parents would let him go trick-or-treating, but wouldn't let him eat any of his candy. Right. Um... He comes down one night to see what his parents are doing with all the candy and find out that they're eating it and essentially having sex with it. I mean... Dry humping. Yeah, like, they're just laughing their asses off and, like, I I was trying to watch this and it kept freezing at this part when the parents, they're like making out, sticking candy in their mouths and, like, making out with the candy with each other. And it was fucking foul. <laughs> and it was, like, it, listening to those disgusting kissing mouth noises uh, once was enough for me. But I had to listen to it, like, six times before I got the goddamn movie to finally play. Um, So I, I was... It was that point where I was ready to just turn it off and say, sorry, Taylor, I could not watch this. <laughs> um, but, yeah, finally got the problem resolved and um, soldiers on. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the kid overreacts and <laughs> kills his parents yeah. with a cleaver. Um, then he eats all the candy, but it's not enough. Yeah. Can we? Should we say what happens or not? I don't know. I think maybe we should cut it there. Yeah, that's it's um, that's a, that's the bitch about. But so basically, the the legend is that this kid, if you don't leave candy out for him, then uh, he'll he'll come back and he'll he'll kill you and eat. Your yeah, candy. if if you if you eat all your candy, it's it's basically a you know a warning story for to get kids to not eat all their candy the night of Halloween. Yeah, that they have to leave some. It's kind of like leaving cookies for Santa but more terrifying. <laughs> um, so what do you think of this story? I enjoyed this one. Yeah, it was pretty good. I enjoyed it immensely. Uh, it, was, it might be my favorite. Really? It's it's up there. Okay. Uh, yeah, I liked it. Um, the makeup was good. I, the of, of the monster, let's say. Uh, I really dug that. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've if you've been following this movie at all, you've probably seen it somewhere. Yeah, I've seen it used in quite a bit of the the marketing. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, it looks pretty pretty awesome. And um, and then like the the gore effects are good too. Yeah, 
I yeah. remember when, when we were talking to Carlos while we were filming the TV show, he talked about how he watched this movie, and he did, he's not a big gore fan. Mm-hmm. And he was like, right off the bat, there's all this gore. <laughs> yeah, he said he went into thinking it was going to be kind of lighthearted and goofy, but I think for the most part it was. Well, this this segment or the movie in general? The movie in general. Parts of it were. I mean, there weren't. That's the one thing about this is, is, is since there's so many different people creating their own different segment, there's no, um, like, each one has a different feel. Yeah. And that, that's... Some are more horror-oriented, some are a little more lighthearted. Yeah, that, that's that's definitely it. And, and I, I will get into that a little more after, once we get into the actual review part yeah. of it. And yeah, that's that's what made this movie so challenging. Like I said, to to, to review and and rate because yeah. there's so many different styles. It's like it's it's a little difficult to get a uh, get a, a rhythm going. I guess. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, let's start by just kind of breaking down the right. Yeah, and yeah, I don't want to spend a lot of time on the individual segments at least right now. Um, the next one uh, in the film was the night that Ra- Billy raised hell, um, and that was directed by Darren Lynn Bowsman. Um, who did, you know, like Devil's Carnival, mm-hmm. um, and sequel and repo. Um, he was involved in Saw, wasn't he? I, 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 I think you're right, but I don't know. I want to say it was him and Lee Wanell were the writers or something. He's one of those people I just like, I can't keep their projects straight in my head. Yeah. Um, anyways, that's basically the story. This little boy gets duped by his um, his sister and her sister's boyfriend, or his sister's boyfriend, um, to do some pranks on a house. And it seemed like that was, it had kind of become like a tradition to do something to this house every mm-hmm. year. Um, Turns out Barry Boswick lives in the house, right? And he's he doesn't take kindly. Uh, and if you weren't aware. Darren, uh, not Darren Lynn Bousman, um, but Barry Boswick is also the devil. Um, this was definitely very um, Bousman. It's it's yeah. His style was all over. There's this like one. sound effects and all kinds of weird things going on. Yeah, and a lot of what appeared to be ADR. Yeah, um, which that's an industry's term. It's one of those, yeah. Industry term to mean like when they go and re-record uh, dialogue in post. Um, but it, to me, it seemed like there weren't a lot of during like the main action segment of this segment. <laughs> um, okay. It yeah, it seemed like there wasn't a lot of like live talking. It seemed like there was a lot of stuff that they had probably recorded in a booth afterwards. Do you know what this one reminded me of? What? Satan's Little Helper. A little bit, yeah. Um, but the premise is that the devil takes him in and ties him to a chair. And uh, Billy says, you know, I was, you know, my my sister's boyfriend t- uh, told me to do it. And he says, like, oh, well, you want to see a real prank? And so they go out together and race some mischief, you know, devil style. Uh, Hell style. Devil, or not, Billy is also dressed as the devil, so there's that little bit of yeah, yeah. connection there. Or 
tie in, whatever. Whatever. Um, and yeah, that was kind of the premise of that. Um, without, you know, revealing too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, what'd you think of this one? Uh, this one was a little goofy. It was. Um, like I said, I just, it reminded me so much of Satan's little helper. <laughs> Which uh, you hate. I do hate. <laughs> Wait, what do you mean? Why do you say you hate? Like you don't also hate it. Oh, well, I, I, I don't loathe it like you do. Okay. I don't like it, but I'm not like, oh, God, I wish that movie was never made. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was, it was a little too goofy for me. Yeah, it was definitely goofy. Um, but like I said, it was, and it, it was also, like I said, Darren Lynn Bousman's stamp was all over this. Uh, and if you've heard in the past, you know, my reviews of Devil's Carnival, did, did we do the second one? I can't remember. Mm-mm. I didn't think so. Okay, well, my review of Devil's Carnival was not favorable. And this one I was just not a fan of. Didn't really do much for me. It was too goofy and too artsy, I guess, hmm. to to an effect. Um, so yeah, it wasn't wasn't big on that one. And then the third one was Trick. Yes, which is the, is the one that that Casey Ruggieri was in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously we talked about it a little bit in the interview. Yeah, and this one was tricky. Ah, oh, uh, God, ah, oh, I'm, uh, I'm out. <laughs> Oh, you can make a bad joke, but I can't. Well, I don't make bad jokes. My jokes are awesome. Anyway, um, yeah, this one is it, – it starts out, you know, a, a group of four, you know, adults, you know, probably around our age, I'd say, like – Yeah, early late 30s. Late 20s, early, early 30s, somewhere in there. Um, did I say late 30s? <laughs> 30s. <laughs> <laughs> Poop. Anyway, so um, they're just, it's Halloween night, you know, kids are out trick-or-treating, and the four of them are sitting around watching Night of the Living Dead, which was a recurring theme in the movie. Yeah. Um, Fair use. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody that knows is um, Night, uh, Night of the Living Dead is in public domain, so if you need a horror movie, if you watched our <laughs> short last year, you may have noticed that that was what was playing on our TV. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, public use uh, movie so if you want to use a movie in your film and not pay anything for it that's the one you want to use um, and they're all, they're all you know drinking and one guy is hit, ripping off a fucking giant bong <laughs> or no it wasn't that big it was about normal size maybe I'm just remembering it bigger that's what she said hey <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah this also stars Tiffany Shepis like we said and also Trent Haga <laughs> Uh, we should have asked uh, Casey about him. It's like, how do you pronounce his name? Is it Haga? <laughs> She'd be like, yes. Um, we kept saying Haga, and he was like, no, it's Haga. <laughs> we thought he was having a stroke. It was weird. Um, trick or treaters come up to the door, and there are some, let's say, difficult trick or treaters that come up. And, uh, Chaos ensues. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think of this one? I like this one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I liked it. I wasn't 
wild about it. There were some plot holes in it, I feel, which I can't really get into without spoiling things, but um, there were some things that I felt were not fully explained. Um, But, I mean, it was small details, and it's, it's, you know, that's one of those things that I would have to stop and think about it before it would actually, like, bother me. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, just watching it, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, I I didn't have a problem with it. Um, I think I would have liked to see maybe a little more in the the nature of the the segment. I would have liked to see maybe a little more violence, a little more gore. You know, it's funny. Casey was saying that she's not a big fan of gore, and it's like that's what I wanted from this one <laughs> was more of that. Uh, not to say it was completely devoid of it, but um, but yeah, I, I, overall I liked it. Yeah. Um, the next was the Week in the Wicked, uh, directed by fucking Paul Solid dude. Fucking uh, of of Jack Chop fame. Fucking Nicolo. <laughs> Jack Chop. Um, We're jacking your fucking pumpkins away. <laughs> One and you're fucking done, kid. Uh, so this is the rest of the show. <laughs> we're just gonna recite Jack Chop out of order, <laughs> out of order for the rest of the show. Um, <laughs> so, Week in the Wicked is... Stars the Doug Funny Kid from It Follows. Was that him? That was him, yeah. Okay. Um, and then the, the girl is in uh, Dark Summer, Dark the, the, the Pulse All It movie. Oh, I haven't seen it, so... Um, lost my train of thought. And also stars Boo Boo Stewart. Boo Boo. Hey, Boo Boo. Um, so can't really... This is one we can't really delve into it too much because a lot of it is somewhat of a spoiler. Basically, there's this gang of, yeah. of three... Ruffians. Hoodlums. <laughs> ne'er-do-wells. That ride bikes, by the way. They Not ride. motorcycles. <laughs> Bicycles. Yeah. This and- is uh, Paul Solid's tribute to Rad. <laughs> Sorry, I gotta eat my pizza. I'm fucking starving. I'll try not to chew directly into the mic. And then there's just one kid that <laughs> stands up to them and says, you know, basically, no more. <laughs> no more! Because <laughs> um, they, they react poorly. Right. They chase him down, and then some other things happen that I can't get into because that's 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 the, that's the twist. Um, yeah, it, the kid tries to just stand up to him and you know fight for the little man. It it doesn't work out too well for him, seemingly. Yeah, but things change. What do you think of this one? I liked it. Um, there were some monster effects. That's a little bit of a spoiler. Um, won't explain it, so you can leave that a bit of a mystery. Um, that were they weren't like really high level effects, but they're at a point where it's like, oh, that looks cool. Yeah. Um, this one just kind of fell in the middle for me. Like it doesn't stand out as one of the best ones, but it also wasn't like, I mean, none of them were terrible. But it wasn't one of the bottom ones. It was it was kind of right in the middle. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't say this was my favorite one, mm-hmm. um, but I enjoyed it overall. Um, 
you know, for such short segments, the one thing that this one seemed like I had a problem with was getting to the point. Yeah, I could see that. But then once it got to the point, it was pretty much over by that. Yeah. Um, of course, if I could have changed this, I would have liked to see a little more of that, of what ended up being the end. I would have liked to see that take a little bit more. I could, yeah, yeah, right I could get that. Yeah. Um, um, up next is one called Grim Grinning Ghost, which I don't know how they got the rights from Disney for that. I don't think they own that. The song? They don't have the, the Grim Grinning Ghost song? You don't think Disney owns the rights to that? They probably own the rights to the song, but the title. The term Grim Grinning Ghost? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think that might predate the song. I, I can't say that for sure. Um, this uh, stars... Alex Esso. Uh, yeah, and it was... Direct, uh, Alex Esso, of course, of Starry Eyes. Um, not as, you know, dead looking. Uh, also, this had Lynn Shay, um, Mick Garris, made, Mick Garris and Barbara Crampton, most both, <clears throat> excuse me, made a, a brief appearance. Um, Nick Gareth didn't have any lines, and if you blinked, you would have missed him. <laughs> yeah, um, even like he, he was laughing at one point. I don't think he even actually made noise. Maybe they didn't pay him to make noise. You know, that was actually a thing in Wet Hot American Summer. Uh, there during the talent show at the end, there were three girls, and they were supposed to be singing. The one in the middle doesn't even have her mouth open, like. And she's not singing. It's because they paid her to be there, but not to have any lines. <laughs> it's like little girl's got a fucking good agent. <laughs> um, anyway, this was written and directed by uh, Axel Carolyn, who I wasn't familiar with. Anything I was just looking over her credits just now, and I didn't see anything I recognized. Yeah. Um, this is really simple story. Basically, this girl, Alex Esso, she plays character who's at a Halloween party with her parents, right? I, I assume, well, her mom at least. Yeah. Um, and then I think it was her mom's friends. Right. And she leaves the party. Her car breaks down, so she starts walking. Um, and at the party, there was this ghost story told of a, of a, of a woman and uh, I can't remember the actual story. Of, of this woman. I don't think they really got that much into it. It was kind of the, the tail end of the story is all you get. Was it? I believe so. Maybe you're right. Um, yeah, so she's walking home and along the way she's getting freaked out by the story that was told. She keeps thinking like she's seeing things. Um, and uh, it continues on like that for a bit. Um, this one, it felt shorter than the others. I don't know if it was. But it felt shorter. Yeah. And when it ended, I was kind of like, oh, that's it? Exactly. The ending came, and I'm just like, well, now what? Yeah. I mean, the, stop short. I mean, this this was not where it should have been. Yeah. Uh, this was probably my least favorite. It's one of the lesser ones for me. Yeah. Um, there wasn't much to it. Um there's a lot of red herrings. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't really care for this one. Anything to add? Well, the next one. No, oh, okay. No, nothing to add. Uh, the next one is Ding Dong. Ding Dong. <laughs> Dong. Cock. Dong. 
written and directed by Lucky McKee, who you might know as the director of May or The Woman. Basically any empowering... Oh, All Cheerleaders Die. Yeah, basically any fem- like empowering female horror movie. Uh, this one was weird. It's about this couple, and on Halloween night, he dresses up their little French bulldog like Gretel. She freaks out, turns into this bright red witch, and says that she wants a baby. Mm. Uh, flash forward to the next year, and basically the story is these trick-or-treaters keep coming to the door. She tells a story about how she ate their first child, Gretel. Um, she keeps pushing up her tits. Keeps pushing up her tits repeatedly, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like it shows like a montage, be the right word. Yeah. Of all these trick-or-treaters coming up. Door open. Or, Doorbell rings, she pushes up her tits, she grabs candy, opens the door. It's just repetitive, all that. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, like, you know, kids keep coming up the door. And this just, is where you get a lot of the crossover, because most of the trick-or-treaters are from other stories. Yeah, yeah. This is when the kid from... You get uh, the trick-or-treaters from Trick show up. Um, one character who actually hadn't been seen yet, but is in a later story, is in there. Yeah. And uh, I, I believe the, the Snake Plissken kid was there, too. Oh, yeah, yeah probably. Um, yeah, and, you know, the... the It's it's Bobby... No, it's Jack and Bobby. Who? Well, the, the characters' names, the married couple. Oh, okay. Bobby's the witch. Um, and Jack is, like, terrified of her and keeps just trying to, like, undermine her attempts to basically kidnap a child... <laughs> Yeah, at one point, a, a kid comes to the door who is unattended, mm-hmm. and she she basically just is like, why don't you come inside? Yeah. Um, and this was uh, uh, Pollyanna McIntosh, who actually played the titular woman in The Woman. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I did not know that. I didn't recognize her because she wasn't, you know, feral. All fucked up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then in the end, everything just falls apart. Yeah. What did you think of this one? Wasn't big on it. Me neither. I had no idea what happened at the end. I actually went back and watched it again because I thought I missed something. <laughs> well, I mean, there's... The the Hansel and Gretel references didn't seem to be directly intentional. Like, it wasn't... You know, obviously she was a witch. We already said that, but... Um, the direct correlation between her and Hansel and Gretel wasn't immediate, but there were a lot of references leading you to believe that it was, and then suddenly it is. I, I don't know. I don't know what the fuck happened. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Everything kind of fell apart at the end. Yeah. I didn't know what happened. So that's a, that's a, that's a miss for me. Right, yeah. It was not great. Next story is uh, This Means War. Uh, it was directed and written by John Skip um, and Andrew Cash. Um, do we know them? Names don't sound familiar. I know I looked up all the directors, but any ones that didn't seem immediately familiar, I, I kind of, my memory kind of lapsed. I'll look it up. Keep, keep talking. Okay. Uh, the story is 
it's kind of like um, that movie with Matthew Broderick and uh, Danny DeVito. Uh, it was a Christmas movie. Basically, Matthew Broderick and Danny DeVito are like competing neighbors trying to get like the best Christmas house to pl- display or something like that. John Skip wrote Dream Child. That's why. Yep. Try to forget that movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's it's basically two neighbors. Um, one who says he's you know been doing his Halloween display for you know twenty some odd years. Dana Gould, right? Um, and his neighbor across the street who is wearing James Duvall. Is that him? Yeah. Who is he? I, I don't know. Oh, okay. Because he he looked familiar, but he was wearing like corpse paint. Like he was dressed up like a like a black metal. Well, not at the beginning. But he well, didn't show him up close, though. Oh, that's true. So um, he looked really familiar, but with the with the paint on his face, like I couldn't really make it out. Um, he was in Donnie Darko. Oh, well, that's probably why. Um, Holy shit! He's been in 117 movies. God damn! He's a busy man. Oh shit. Good to be busy in that business, I guess. Um, so he, yeah, this this neighbor who like, it seemed like he had just moved in recently, um, does his own Halloween display, which is very grim. Uh, features a lot of you know dead things, and he played Frank in Donnie Darko, the bunny. I thought. That kid from Mars Attacks played Frank. No. No. You're wrong. Not not the skinny wimpy kid, the Mexican or Asian guy. Or no, sorry, not Mars Attacks, uh Independence Day. The kid that played uh Yes, that's him. James Duval. Really? That was him? Yep. Wow. I never. I wouldn't have guessed that. Okay. Well, whatever. Um, He's got a new movie coming out called Nacho Holocausto. Oh man! <laughs> uh, they're gonna get letters. Um, so, yeah, Dana Gould's character. He basically has. You know, this is a classic Halloween display. You know, really wasn't it like Macabre Manor or something like that. I don't remember if it had a name or not. Yeah, there was a sign out front. Oh, okay, maybe, maybe that's the case. But yeah, it was kind of like a tiny little grave uh, graveyard scene and a talking skeleton. I like the talking skeleton. That was cool. Yeah. Um, but overall kind of hokey. Yes. Um, but yeah, his neighbor across the street has this really fucking brutal display. You know, it's kind of like, like I said, like dead things. And he's got like fucking red rum wrote, written on it, like spray painted on a wall and... Um, just much more horrifying imagery. Yeah. Um, and so he's this, out there just like blasting death metal. On yeah. Halloween night. Um, and so like you said, he's got the corpse paint mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, Dana Gould gets pretty pissed off that he feels like he's like kind of destroying the, uh, the feel of not only the neighborhood, but like trying to like detract from his, own display um so it starts this kind of 
War. Battle, yeah. Or war, yeah. Like the title. <laughs> and he actually <laughs> the, the titular war. <laughs> he actually says this means war in it. Yep, that's true, he does. He uh, do, he even says, You realize this means war. Right. Full on Daffy Duck. <laughs> that was another thing about pretty much this entire movie, like all the segments. Uh really cornball lines. Yeah. Like it had to have been on purpose. Uh, I won't. I won't say this for all of the segments, um, but a lot of them definitely had some mm-hmm. really fucking corny um, lines in it. Uh, and then they call the cops, who we haven't talked about. Was that in this? Oh yeah, I guess it was. Um, yeah, there's there's these two cops that show up in several different segments, played by Adam Green and Graham Skipper. Right. Uh, you know, we've talked about Adam Green plenty. Graham Skipper was from uh, um, Almost, Almost Human. Human, and he was in one of the 20 Seconds to Live. Mm-hmm. Heartless. Right. Um, yeah, they're, they're, one, they're one of the, let's consider them one character. They're like one of the characters that kind of envelops the whole movie. Yeah. They show up in, what, like three or four of the segments? Mm-hmm. Um, and that was actually first... I think maybe at first the f- first recurring role that I noticed. Yeah. Um, I mean, aside from the opening, seg- uh, you know, um, Sweet Tooth and, you know, the, the little Snake Plissken kid hadn't really noticed any crossovers, if there were any. Um, I think this one actually featured a few cameos. I think I think I spotted Mike Mendez. Oh, really? I, th- I think. I'm not positive. It was hard to tell because, like, uh, so many of the guests were were painted up. Yeah. And like we said in the interview with Casey, uh, a lot of the cameos were very quick. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. They weren't, like, a feature at all. They were just kind of there in the background. Right. Extras and... Yeah. So what Um, what did you think of of This Means War? It was okay. I I liked it. it. I mean, I don't think I would put it... As one of my favorites, but I liked it. I enjoyed. I enjoyed this one quite a bit. Yeah, I think I'd rule this one like pretty much right down the middle. See, I'd, I'd go a little higher, but like I said, definitely not one of my favorites, but a good one. Yeah, yeah, it was goofy. Um, it and was, then, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say it was fun to watch, I guess, but yeah. And then, uh, speaking of Mike Mendez. The next one was directed by Mike Mendez, written by Mike Mendez, as well as, uh, as David Parker again, um, called Friday the 31st. Not just in name, but it stylistically very much an homage to Friday the 13th. Oh, yeah. If not, like just a direct ripoff. You've got a girl running through the woods, masked killer chasing after her. And that's where it starts. Like, yeah. Where it starts, there's already been an entire movie before this. Right. Um, yeah, go ahead. Um, yeah, and then so they go off into his cabin, and then things kind of take a turn. Yeah. A spaceship comes down. This tiny little alien comes out. How adorable is he? Oh, my God. Just totes fresh. He was like... uh, Yeah, he had a little, little tiny... Like, seriously, this thing was about as big as a flat, he, he was probably maybe. i don't know three or four inches tall yeah he had his little 
jack-o'-lantern sweater on. And there's a little trick-or-treat bag. He just took a tweet. And he's just that was fucking all, adorable. That was all he said. Yeah. And then you had this this killer who, you know, he's a mute killer. Mm-hmm. And he's, so it's like, took a tweet. <laughs> yeah, he's like Trick basically like shrugging him <laughs> off, like shaking his head like, I don't want fucking candy. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Little things just just precious. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so then he, I guess, possesses the girl mm-hmm. who then comes back and starts chasing after the killer. And this is where you get a little bit of like an evil dead feel. For yes, it. exactly. Cause she's like basically floating. She's, she, I mean, she's not running after him. She's just like hovering above the ground Yeah, and a little bit of like almost direct, um, Evil Dead look to it too, mm-hmm. like her feet dragging on the ground, her hands kind of up and like claws, basically. Yeah, um, and just kind of like shrieking and, and screaming. Yeah, definitely very, definitely got a very big Evil Dead vibe from it. Yeah, and I love the fact that like at the beginning he's chasing the girl, and the girl runs into the cabin, which you know of course is stupid, but I think it's supposed to be stupid. Because that's what happens in all slasher movies. Okay. The girls run into basically the last place they should run to. Sure. Um, and, of course, you know, this shed's just covered in, you know, dis- dismembered bodies and stuff. Um, and then he busts into the shed and they kind of tussle a little bit. And she gets away. Um, and then all this happens. And then the girls chasing the, the possessed girl uh, is chasing after him and it's hilarious because he does the same thing he like stops looks around for a place to go sees the cabin <laughs> runs into it and like that's like exact like shot for shot exactly what she did yeah so and he runs into the cabin and like braces himself against the door and she just of course just busts right through it and it, this was this was a good one I think that this was probably my favorite one it's great because it takes, like, when it starts, you're, you're thinking, oh, it's going to be this slasher thing. And then it, it completely knocks that on its head. Mm-hmm. And it just pulls a complete 180 and goes somewhere you would not expect. Yeah. And, well, I mean, I would expect this from the guy that directed fucking Big Ass Spider. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but, yeah, this was so off the wall and, and, and goofy, and I, I fucking loved it. it this was this awesome. was a good one. Um, yeah, yeah. I think, if you know, rating them eat individually i'd probably rate this the highest i think i don't know about that but it would be up there for me well you're entitled to your wrong opinion derp 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 uh then we have the ransom of rusty rex this is our longest review ever yeah but i mean it kind of has to be mm-hmm. um unless we just kind of glaze over all of them yeah the ransom of rusty rex written and directed by ryan Schifrin. who why do i know that name uh, good question I'll look it up. Uh, this stars Sam Witwer, who you would know as Aiden. Aiden from uh, Almost Human or Being Human. Being sorry. Human. Uh, um, also, the late Ben Wolf, who of course was from American Horror Story. Um, anyways, so they kidnap this kid who he's his dad is rich, and they hold him for ransom. Basically, they call the dad. 
Played by John Landis. Fu- yeah. At first, it's just a voice, just a voice on the other end of the line. Yeah. And then, yeah, like I think like the third or fourth time they call him, he picks up and it's fucking John Landis. It's like, yeah. And a- apparently, this is like a-, a Twilight Zone story. Is it? I-, I read that somewhere that this was like a reimagining of a Twilight Zone story, and that was why ha- having John Landis in it was like a big deal. Oh, I I guess I didn't know that. Um, like I said, I read that somewhere and I, I don't remember where now, but so if it's wrong, it's fuck them. But he, when they call the dad, the bad, the dad basically says he's yours now. Yeah. Your problem now. And you know, at first they're just like, what? <laughs> um, but they, they quickly find out. And we don't want to talk about why do we, um, I don't know. I think it's probably better if we don't. Okay. Yeah. So basically the dad says, you can keep him. You find out Ryan the whole story Schiffrin. behind it. Ryan Schiffrin directed uh, Abominable. Abominable. I don't know that. It's a movie about the Abominable Snowman. I I, I figured that much. Uh, he direct No. This what? is saying that he directed The Tiffany Problem. Which is an airy scope short. Doesn't Adam Green direct all of those? Uh, I don't know. Hmm. Maybe that's why I know the name. They talk about him on the movie crypt or something. Probably. Most of these directors, like a lot of them, have either been guests or have been talked about on the movie crypt. Which makes sense. And that's I think that's the little kind of click of indie horror directors that Casey was talking about. It's like all these L.A. guys. They all know each other. They all yeah. are buddies, and so. You know, they talked about, you know, uh, if you listen to the movie Crypt, uh, Adam and Joe, they both talk about the, the Masters of Horror dinner mm-hmm. all the time. Um, and uh, you have to assume most, if not all, of these guys were there. Yeah. So. Uh, finally, we have Bad Seed, um, written by Dead Peasant Publishing. Not really. Mm-hmm. But this is pretty much like a film adaptation of Blood and Gore. <laughs> It really seems that way. All yeah. I could think of. Uh, it's actually direct, directed and written by Neil Marshall. Uh, this one has. It starts out with Greg McLean, who wrote and directed the um, Wolf Creek movies. Right. He has just carved his masterpiece, Jack o' Lantern, which then comes to life and eats his head. Mm-hmm. I absolutely fell out. When I first watched it, I just started laughing my ass off. <laughs> it was pretty funny. I don't know why, but it, that just cracked me up so much. There's when the wife walks in and the pumpkin is just on his head. <laughs> Lost it. Uh, the um, His wife, played by Serena Vincent from Cabin Fever, uh, not another teen movie, and one of the Power Rangers series, if you weren't aware. So it was a little weird. Like, I didn't. I had stopped watching Power Rangers by the time that series had aired. Um, but because I was unemployed for a long time, I just sat down and watched every single series. <laughs> um, and to see the girl from Cabin Fever and Not Another Teen Movie in Power Rangers was odd. It's like, well, I've seen your boobs. <laughs> um, but yeah, this one was... This one it was especially corny, like with the lines. Um, 
it's uh, from from the point where the, the man's attacked by the pumpkin, it brings on into the brings in the police uh, detective whose name escapes me. The character's name? Yeah, I don't remember. I want to say Vega, but I don't think that's right. Um. Anyway, uh, it's it's very played by Christina Klieb. Is that how you pronounce it? I think so. Who she she was in Rob Zombie's Halloween. Um, That's who? Linda? She also played Ava Braun in Chillerama. Oh. Have you seen Chillerama? Yes. Have you? Yeah. Okay. I I have yet to watch it. Oh, really? Yeah. It's dumb. Is it? It's so fucking stupid. (laughs) (laughs) That's understandable why Green and Lynch hate it. Yeah. It's fucking stupid. Um, Yeah, and then her... He's, he's not her partner, but Pat Healy. Yeah, he's like another detective or something. Did you notice when they're in the the police station or whatever, and then like as they go to leave, did you notice who the detective sitting right front and center was? Fucking Paul Fucking Solid. Paul Solid, kid. Um, yeah, I, I actually, I hadn't made it a point to ask you about that, but I forgot. Um, yeah, no lines, just there. Yeah. Again, again, one of those really quick cameos that if you blink, you'll miss it. Um, and, uh, so clearly we weren't blinking through the entire movie. (laughs) Uh, so yeah, they're, they're they're trying to track down this killer jack-o'-lantern. How how about, yeah, they, she gets called back into the, um, uh, the station house because Green comes in at the sign of the scene of the crime and tells her that the captain wants to see her back at the station. (laughs) That's like the... The start of the really cornball lines, and this was, I have to assume, very inspired by like Law and Order. It felt like it, yeah, because it was just that really just like, like well, I, overly dramatic. I love the like the sketch artist. <laughs> She's like, so what do we got? And he's like, you won't believe me. Yeah. She's like, let me see. And he shows her like in crayon, yeah, <laughs> or like yeah, pastels or something. <laughs> but yeah, it, was, it looked like it was written uh, drawn by a five year old. Yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, back at the station house, they, she gets called in by the captain. Um, and the guy looked familiar, but I couldn't think of who it was. The captain? Yeah. Wasn't it Joe Dante? No. Joe Dante was. Where was Joe Dante? Later. He was in it. He was, he was the scientist at the end. Oh. Yeah. That's right. Who was the captain? He looked really familiar. Uh, the, the credits on this movie, like as far as, unless you watch like the rolling credits, if you try to pull up on IMDb, there's a lot of missing character names. Yeah. And um, it doesn't tell you what segment they're from, so it right. doesn't exactly help. Yeah, and like I said, a lot of these characters didn't even have names, mm-hmm. at least not on screen. Um, and Anyway, so it just cracked me up. This captain was so, like, cornball. Yeah, he was so stereotypical, or, like, uh, you know, police captain. Yeah, hard-ass police captain, yeah. Um, he... Uh, he actually used a line from "So I Married an Axe Murder." He says, "So if you if you screw this up, I'll bust your ass back down device so quick your head will spin." <laughs> oh man, there was shit. There was a line in this that I was cracking up, and I had to explain to my girlfriend that it was from something, and now I can't remember what it was. That doesn't ring any bells. Fuck, what was it? Was it from this segment? I don't remember. Oh, I think so though. Well, all right. Damn it. Sorry. We'll come back to that if you remember. Anyway, so she just she goes on the hunt for this pumpkin. 
and yeah, the rest of it's just really fucking cheesy. Yeah, super cheesy. Uh, but what did you think of it? Uh, all I could think of was Blood and Gore the whole time. Yeah. But this on its own, what do you think? Um, I liked it. Yeah. It, it was, you know, it was corny, but in a good way. Mm-hmm. And it, like I said, it, this was the one, the only one that just made me laugh my ass off. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I liked it. Um, I, I liked it because it was so corny and like, because it was clearly on purpose. Um, story itself was kind of meh for me. And yeah, like I, I, I saw the same thing. It's like, as soon as I saw that pumpkin, like sprout, um, like roots and stuff and scurry away, start running. Yeah. Like the fucking creature from the head creature from, uh, the thing. <laughs> um, yeah, I instantly thought of blood and gourd. Um, but anyway, so overall thoughts, um, well, like we were saying before, one of one of my biggest issues with it is that since you have all these different directors, every story has a different feel. And so it's hard to feel a cohesion there. Mm-hmm. It kind of feels like I just binge watched a TV show. Yeah, I could see that. I hadn't thought of that, but yeah, definitely the same kind of feel, especially a show that doesn't really have um, like an overarching <laughs> Story, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and it didn't feel like the stories like really flowed one into another. It was just like one ended and one started. And that was a that was the big thing with the final story. It had the all the pressure of ending the film. Yeah. But there was no conclusion. Well for the for the segment it was, but for the movie well, actually no, the segment didn't really have a conclusion. It was kind of a cliffhanger. Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, the end of this movie is supposed to wrap up with like this kind of, you know, bookend of Adrian Barbeau saying, well, you know, it's it's now it's midnight and Halloween's over. Um, you know, th- you know, that kind of thing. Um, and uh, I don't know. The end just didn't really work for me. Like, I really would have liked to see some kind of... Um, Finality, I guess. Yeah. Um, but, you know, this one, this movie's like, just like Trick or Treat, really. I mean, not to keep drawing that comparison, but um, it uh, has full potential to be, uh, uh, you know, a series or a franchise. Oh, most definitely. Um, I mean, as long as you got, you know, directors that are able to come up with more Halloween themed stories, you know, you can, oh shit, you can put one out one a year. Mm-hmm. Not that that'll happen, but I did notice the beginning said the October society's tales of Halloween. Yeah. And that made me wonder if that, that core of directors, if they just call themselves the October society, I'd never, I hadn't seen that term before attached with this movie. Me neither. So, um, do you know who was like the head of this? Like who organized it? I do not. I want to say it was Darren Lynn Bowsman, but I don't think that's right. I have no idea. Yeah. I meant to ask Casey, but it slipped my mind. And I guess I thought it would sound maybe a little ignorant. <laughs> um, anyway. Um, so we've, we've been talking about this for a while now. Um, anything else to add? Um, I will say, like, this, this is not going to usurp 
Trick or Treat as like the top horror anthology for Halloween. No. Um, but it's good. Yeah. It's very enjoyable, and I would say that it's definitely worth putting in your rotation of Halloween movies. Sure, yeah, I could definitely see watching this, uh, you know, with a group of friends. I don't. I think it would have been more entertaining had I been watching it with people. I could see that, yeah, because yeah, I was just watching it by myself. And, yeah, me too. Um, so yeah, maybe you know, try it again next year and actually watch with you know, at least with maybe with each other. Yeah. Um. And, uh, yeah, so I guess maybe just, unless you have anything else to say, um, just give ratings. I'm going to give it a seven. Okay. Um, I, I basically rated each one individually, um, and then averaged it out. Um, I'll just go down my list. I got, uh, Sweet Tooth seven, Night Billy Race Hell four, Trick six, Week in the Wicked seven, uh, Grim Grinning Ghost three. Ding Dong 5, This Means War 5, Friday the 31st 8, uh, Ransom of Rusty Rex 7, and Bad Seed 5. Uh, and that averaged out to uh, 5.7, I think. Um, and so I just I rounded up 6. Okay. So I think that's fair. Um, it seems that's, that's a good way of doing it, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you know, 6. Based on our way of doing scores, you know, five is is a decent movie. Not something you should avoid, but not necessarily something you should seek out. Right. I've, so, I've, had, I've actually had people talk to me saying that we rate things too harshly, but I think they're thinking of it as like fifty percent is enough. No, we're yeah. we're a scale of one to ten. Yeah, I've thought at times that maybe we should just go to five, but whatever, yeah, whatever. We've got a. It's too late to change now. Yeah. There's no going back. I'm set in my ways. <laughs> um, court, and, you know, having a, a 10 scale gives us more flexibility. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, six is not a bad score. No. Six, six is actually a pretty good score. We have yet to give a 10 to anyone. Yep. Not even Shaun of the Dead. Well, we, we haven't reviewed Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> right. I don't know if I'd give it a 10 even though. I would. I would. I'd do it so hard. I would give you a 10. I would do it. I would do that for you. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, seven and six. So that's Tales of Halloween. Yeah. Moving on. Uh, our second review is from director Bruce McDonald, and it is called Hellions. Get your costume picked out for tonight? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have to go to the clinic and I'm so late. Mm-hmm. Later, stud. According to your HCG levels, 
You're about four weeks in. I'm 17. Dora, we're leaving. Mom, go out, okay? Have fun with your friends. You can even wear my tiara. Are you on your way? Or should I meet you at the party or something? Hurry up. So Hellions. They've uh, come before the same blood moon. Scallions. Not much time. Dora, can you hear me? <laughs> we wait for baby. Uh, Hellions is about, oh, about Dora. There's Dora. No. Different, different Dora. Well, maybe she likes to explore sexually. Because she's Gregor's. She done got herself knocked up. Yep. <laughs> She's pregnant. <laughs> um, and maybe she also likes to explore drugs because they smoke the the reefer the at the beginning, which looks like it's been rolled in wrapping paper. Yeah, I don't know. The, what, I don't know what was going on there. It was all red. Okay, looking. you noticed that too. Yeah, it was look like I don't know candy. I was like, something. what the fuck are they smoking? <laughs> But so, yeah, Dora gets knocked up by her boyfriend. Dora the Explorer. She's not Dora the Explorer. Dora McGillicuddy. Who the fuck is Dora McGillicuddy? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that's her last name. It's not. They say her last name, and it's not that. Dorfman. Dora Dorfman? <laughs> I don't think that's right either. <laughs> um, it was Vogel. Yes, it was Vogel. Yeah. Um. So... It's Halloween night. Her mother has taken her brother trick-or-treating. Uh, Dora is staying home. She's like, oh my god, I'm pregnant! Wallowing in self-pity. Because she just couldn't keep them legs together. Right. Uh, is this where she wants to be when Jesus comes back? <laughs> Maybe that was what happened. Pregnant in this movie. and unwed? Maybe that's what happened in this movie. I don't know what the fuck happened in this movie. This movie's fucking weird. It was fucking weird. Uh, so she's home. She decides at the last minute she's going to go to this Halloween party, but then her boyfriend doesn't pick her up because he's a piece of shit. Uh, he's a stoner. He probably fell asleep. And then these trick-or-treaters show up, and they touch her belly, and they laugh at her, and then everything goes purple. Yeah. The whole movie's in like this purple sepia tone was it supposed to be the blood moon i've never seen a blood moon do that before this is the only thing i could think of though <laughs> i don't know it but yeah it was definitely um aside from like really deep colors um or i don't know like the only things that were actually their own colors were like a flashlight and um like the, the light from a flashlight and blood yeah Everything else, yeah, it was just like these really purplish pink tones. Yeah, and that's like the majority of the movie is like that. Mm-hmm. But so these trick or treaters come and they're they're trying to get into into her house, and it becomes apparent right away that they're after the baby. Um, yeah, with what 
you know, all the touching of her belly and saying mama. Yeah. A little weird. And then as they surround the house, all of a sudden there's a storm inside the house. Yeah, hell of a storm. Yeah. Blowing shit all over. And then, so she calls the cops and then hides out with a giant knife. Uh, eventually, Sergeant Robert Patrick shows up. The T-1000 shows up. <laughs> And normally this would strike fear in the hearts of men, but she welcomed him. Well, yeah. I mean, you got a little bucket head outside. Yeah. The dude with the, with the burlap sack on his head, did he remind you of Sam at all? Kind of. I got, he was like, he was supposed to be a scarecrow was the impression I got. Yeah. But yeah, my girlfriend said the same thing. She was like, who's this Sam ripoff? No, that's, that's kind of what I got. Uh, he was very... His presence was very familiar. Yeah. I mean, Sam was, you know, kind of a trick-or-treater, I guess. Yeah. I mean, of course, this guy was, this kid was a little more malevolent than Sam. Yeah. Sam was just kind of an observer, for the most part. Yeah, like, the marketing all used these three trick-or-treaters, but there's actually a lot more. Yeah, there's like a dozen of them. At least, yeah. If not, yeah, if not more. And you've got Baghead, Buckethead... Um, from Guns which N' that, Roses. That was, that was like their actual names in the credits. Baghead and Buckethead. And then I think there was like a baby doll. There's one kid that had a giant nose. Not on his mask, not just... Not just like a big beak. Okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, just a whole shitload of weird, creepy little kids. Yeah. So she calls her doctor because she's having weird pains. He comes over, gets slashed in the neck on his way in. Uh, they hide out in the basement for a while. And he tells her that she's gone from four weeks to four months pregnant since that morning. Mm-hmm. And she keeps having these... That's not typical. No. no. <laughs> that doesn't usually happen. Thank you, Dr. Science. <laughs> Dr. Science. <laughs> That's my name. <laughs> That's what they call me. That's what they called me in not college. <laughs> not college. That's where he attended. Yeah. Uh, but she keeps getting these flashes of the baby, and it's this weird, giant-headed, one-eyed freak baby. Yep. There's a lot of menstrual blood in this movie. Too, too. much. Too much menstrual like, blood. Literally. Li- literally. Mm. At one point... She drowns in her own menstrual blood. Mm-hmm. That happens. Yep. Um, I don't like it. I didn't, I didn't. <laughs> no, sir. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like watching it. Uh, it made me uncomfortable. You know, one I, of my worst fears is drowning in menstrual blood. <laughs> <laughs> Regular blood. In an outhouse at that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, nobody wants to die in a shit house. Um,. While watching this, I remember thinking, I was like, ugh, oh, God, oh, jeez, I don't want to watch this. And I was like, all the shit that I watch in horror movies, people getting throats slashed and then, like, Achilles tendons cut, getting their bellies cut open and intestines falling out and then people eating them. <laughs> I'm fine with all of that. A little bit of menstrual blood? Oh, God, no. I just thank God that we didn't see the chunks. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. 
Because menstrual blood is chunky, folks. Menstrual chunks. <laughs> ah. Those two words together. <laughs> so much worse. Uh, uh, if you've learned nothing else today, hashtag menstrual chunks. <laughs> ah. Uh, so yeah, that happens. And then some other weird shit happens. And, uh, and there, and the, the, the trick or treaters are slugs or something cause they salt kills them. (laughs) (laughs) They're Gail and Snail. Nobody likes salting the trick or treaters. Um, They gave you, they really give you no choice. Yeah. This movie's fucking weird. It's so weird. It's really hard to fucking follow. It is. It doesn't make any sense. I don't know what's going on. I, the movie kept me intrigued only because I wanted to know what happened next because I had no fucking idea. This is like watching a David Lynch movie. Yeah. I mean, it's like maybe, you know, I don't like Eraserhead, but I know that most people do. Uh, but I watch Eraserhead, I'm confused as shit because there's so many fucking weird things going on. And I don't really do all that well with symbolism. Like, it doesn't register with me mm-hmm. because I just watch a movie for what it is, usually. Don't look for a deeper meaning unless it just occurs to me. Um, I feel like this movie was really trying to do that and just wasn't working for me, at least. Um, I, I could have done without all of the supernatural elements in it. If it had just been, like, these weird, creepy kids who wanted her baby... I could have gone for that. Okay. Um, the There's no explanation of who these kids are or why they want her baby. The whole quote-unquote backstory is that this happened once before. Right. Yeah, this happened to T-1000's wife. T-1000, by the way, looks like he's getting a little soggier in the midsection. <laughs> Unless he was just supposed to be a fat cop. I don't know. It's possible. I don't know. But yeah, no explanation of, like, why they come and take babies. What, like, are they... Because my my girlfriend was watching it with me, and she was trying to find the symbolism in it. And she was like, are they aborted kids? That's a stretch. Or she was like, or are they, they like, uh, like, they're all kids that they've come back and taken, and then they grow up to be these weird trick-or-treaters and... I was like, I, I, I don't fucking know. I have, it's like, I, I suppose I, it's possible. I have no answers for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> but then why why does salt hurt them? Because they're snails. <sighs> they're snail children. Yeah, this this movie, I, I, I don't know. I don't. Also, no ex- explanation why she went from four weeks to four months pregnant. No. Don't know why that happened. There's no explanation of anything in this movie. Yeah. Uh, I had high hopes for it when I first heard about it, but it... It, it's way too just art house film. It's way too like trying to be symbolic of something that I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's just way too confusing, and I I didn't like it. Yeah, I wasn't a fan. I just I felt like I spent more time trying to figure out what I was watching rather than just watching it. And I was never scared at any point. No. No, not at all. Um, I'd say the costumes were cool. 
uh, the, you know, the, the way the kids were dressed, it, mm-hmm. they looked cool. <clears throat> um, but I mean, this, the story, like we've reiterated over and over, it didn't make any sense. The characters were kind of unsympathetic. Um, like we just, I mean, did you really give a shit about any of them? I mean, even Dora. I, I don't know. It was hard for me to feel empathetic because I just I spent the whole movie being confused. Yeah, and the, I mean that's that's what I'm kind of getting at is like, like I said, he spent the entire fucking movie trying to make sense of it, and really none of it just watching it. Yeah, and it's like how do you, how do you how do you enjoy a movie that way? It's like. Yes, this would be a terrifying situation, but it's so out there mm-hmm. that it's just hard to uh, empathize with. Yeah. yeah. Weird stuff. And I didn't get the purple. No, that, and I really didn't like that. Like, and it, it was, like it just like turns on like fucking uh, Wizard of Oz. Yeah. What what was what was like the part that like started that? It was when the kid touched her belly. Right. Okay, yeah, yeah. The kid touched her belly, she went back inside, and then all the clocks turned for some reason. And, and then everything to was To show purple. the passage of time. But did it go forwards or backwards? I think it was going forward. But it doesn't really matter because it was... So that's why she was four months pregnant all of a sudden? I... <laughs> because the clocks moved, and now so. everything's purple. Yeah, let's say that. <laughs> um... Trust no. me, if you're confused right now, join the fucking club. Oh, we yeah. watched this movie and have no idea what the hell happened. Yeah, and you know, I'm with you. I really wanted this movie to be good. It sounded like it had something going for it, but its its fatal flaw was just trying to be more than it was. Mm-hmm. Trying to, you know, basically trying to fight in an upper weight class. It's just not working. Yeah. So... um are we done? Yeah, I'm done. I got. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know what to. I don't know what to do here. <laughs> I don't know what to do with my life anymore. Um, all right. So, we, what do you say for score? Uh, three. Uh, I'd say four. Not great. If you like artsy horror movies, then then maybe. Yeah, like I said, if you like David Lynch stuff. Uh, I mean, you know, we both like Twin Peaks, but Eraserhead's just another level, man. Yeah. Um, but if if you're an Eraserhead fan, you might like this just because it's that same kind of weird shit going on. See if you can make sense of it. Write us an email. Let us know what you thought. <laughs> yeah, by all means. Um, so, yeah, that's it for reviews. Um, now just one thing left to do. Actually, we have two things left to do. Do we? Yes. Uh, we were contacted by Man Crates oh, right. about building the ultimate horror movie survival kit. And we passed the question on to you guys, uh, asked for your input. Um, we got some good answers, some bad answers. Um, so, yeah, I guess we'll just talk a little bit about some of your answers first. Um, a lot of people, guns and ammo. Sure. Pretty much the number one thing on everyone's list. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, it's, 
uh, a gun and ammo is pretty practical in basically any survival situation. Sure. Whether it be a, like a horror movie situation or, you know, lost in the fucking jungle or something. Um, a lot of people said different kinds of weapons, mostly axe, machete, mm-hmm. um, flashlight was one that I didn't get used as much as I thought might. Mm. Um, and then, uh, flashlight was <laughs> right. Apparently, uh, Max does not have much faith in his fiance. <laughs> She's not going to laugh. Um, and, you know, the biggest challenge of this was uh, trying to think uh, horror survival in general, not like a specific thing, not like right. specifically you, zombies. You don't know what you're fighting. Yeah. I mean, it could be zombies, could be slashers, could be post-apocalyptic. Um, Marauders. Yeah. It could be fucking anything. Um, so, yeah, you got to think just what are the most practical things to survive with um, and, you know, things that can fit into a wooden crate. <laughs> right. Um, that's, that's the thing. I don't really know how big the crate is. Me neither. Um, but, I mean, the, the crates, they're, they're solid wooden crates that you have to open with a crowbar. Right. Number one thing on my list is that crowbar. Sure. You know, you can hit somebody with it, you stab somebody with it, you open doors with it. Mm-hmm. That's a great, great thing to have. Nobody said that. Not thinking three-dimensionally. Clearly. Um, I would think, you know, depending on the size of the crate, what I would use is uh, a short machete um, or a hunting knife. Yeah, I would definitely want a blade of some kind. Yeah. Um, guns and ammo are nice, but obviously ammo runs out. Mm-hmm. So you're going to want to have something... That that will last. Yeah. Um, I think a hammer. Sure. Again, you can use it as a weapon, but you can also use it to build things. Mm-hmm. That's going to be on my list. Um, and I think I think a, a bow and arrow or a crossbow. I think I would probably go with that. With silver tipped arrows, mm-hmm. just in case we're looking at some werewolves. Sure. Sure. And maybe some silver bullets with those with that gun. Mm-hmm. Silver machete. Mm-hmm. Good call. I would definitely want some kind of stake or something in case we run into some vampires. Sure. Yeah. Um, and you know, most of the stuff we've talked about could be used against zombies and most monsters. So yeah, I think basically guns, ammo, with you know. Silver bullets, crossbow or bow and arrow, some kind of blade, and then building tools. Are, that's that's the crux of my my ultimate horror movie survival kit. All right, mine is based more on just survival. Um, like I said, I'm thinking you know something like a blade, um, you know, be it silver or whatever. Um, but yeah, preferably a machete. Uh, get a little more action with that, but if if not, then some kind of hunting knife, something with a really sharp blade. <clears throat> um, then uh, you know, practical things like uh, some flint and tinder. Um, mm, good call. And 
you know, I'm thinking back to when I went to camp in sixth grade and we made, we took these the little film canisters, um, you know, the ones you submit or you turn in the uh, film to the photo mat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Plastic tubes. Um, I don't know. Using films was so seems so long ago now, um, but basically made like a tiny little survival kit in one of those things, and like yeah, it had it had a match, it had like a, some scrap of like newspaper in it, um, had a, a bouillon cube. Um, I think it had like some. Uh, yeah, nobody said anything about any kind of food. Yeah. Uh, it had, um, I guess just everyone plans to live off the land. Yeah. Hopefully if you know how to do that. Yeah. Easier said than done. Um, and, uh, what else was in there? I think there was like a fishing hook with some line attached to it. So, I mean like practical things and like, these are small things that you can carry on your person, you know, she put it in a film canister. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but then, yeah, obviously different, uh, you know, essentials. Um, I would put a mirror. I think a mirror could be pretty handy in different situations. Interesting. It's just, you know, it's just a tiny little pocket mirror. Uh, maybe, or maybe even one that you'd use like uh, on a car. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with those or not. But it's like a blind spot mirror? No, no. It's, it's like a tiny little mirror about that big. Or, you know, about, uh, I'd say probably about... Uh, two by four um and uh it's on a on a telescoping rod and you use it to just like if you try to find something that's like underneath the engine block you just stick that mirror down there oh so i think that something like that could be useful um in unca- uncountable uh situations yeah um and then uh yeah some like really uh I mean, obviously, a gun and ammo that'd be essential, uh, but you know, just enough ammo to so it's, so it's not cumbersome. Mm-hmm. You don't want to have too much ammo because it's going to slow you down. Exactly. Um, uh, a bow and arrow would probably be good, but I'm trying to think of things that will actually fit in a crate. I'm assuming it's not like a big ass shipping crate. <laughs> I'm thinking more probably something more like an apple box. Yeah. So, I think maybe a bow and arrow might be out. Uh, you know. In, in my terms of thinking, anyway, um, but yeah, something like wooden stakes, maybe not necessary, but uh, I mean, thinking you could probably make some, um, but maybe those could be good. Uh, anything, maybe like some uh, some like a silver nitrate, mm. just like you know, basically liquid silver, yeah. That would be good. So um, then you could use like if you had you know a bow and arrow per se, you could just dip the arrows in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think an aerosol, aerosol can would be good. Uh, and as, well, I think something that should be in every crate survival crate is some lighter fluid and a Zippo. Sure. Uh, so aerosol can Zippo blowtorch. Yep. Um. Yeah, those are those are kind of my thoughts. All right, um, I think those would be pretty handy in most situations. I think pretty well got bases covered. I mean, if anything you don't have in a situation, I think probably with what you've been provided, you could probably get other things. Mm-hmm. So, 
Anyway. All right. Well, yeah, that's our ultimate horror movie survival kit. Uh, thank you to Man Crates for reaching out. Make sure you check out mancrates.com. Uh, you know, get you or your loved one some crates full of awesome manly stuff. Manly like stuff. Like muscles and beards. Make sure you have a goddamn crowbar, though. It comes with a crowbar. It comes with it? Yeah. Oh, well, that's nice. Yeah. It's kind of them. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, before we head out here, we got one more thing to do, which is a, a thing that we call plot holes, where we take the plot of a famous movie, we remove a bunch of words, and we replace them Mad Lib style. Yeah, I did it this time. Hey! I did it in the car while I was coming to get you, but I did it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Give me a plural noun. Uh, dental dams. And just a regular noun. Harry Areola. How do you spell Areola? A-R-E-O-L-A. Adjective. Veiny. Verb. Taking a taking a long shot with this one. I don't know if it's going to work. Run while shitting. We'll, we'll give it a shot. <laughs> Adjective. Farty. Party makes me farty. <laughs> Noun. <laughs> uh, purple-headed yogurt slinger. Noun. Uh, fupa or fat upper pussy area for those of you at home. Verb. <laughs> Menstruate. <laughs> A lot of talk of menstruation on this show today. <laughs> adverb. Uh, I hope I got adverb right. Hella. Didn't we do this before? Did we? You tried to use hella before and it didn't work. Was it for an adverb? I don't remember. Adverbs usually end in L-Y. Um... Hellily. That's not a thing. Ah, <laughs> uh, fuck. Wife! She doesn't hear me. Uh, why are adverbs a thing? <laughs> uh, stupidly, I don't... And an adjective. Uh, dick tickling. That means tickling dicks. Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> Okay, so uh, we're going to do a Halloween-themed movie, one that we discussed earlier in the show, called Satan's Little Helper. (laughs) It's late October, and Douglas, like most dental dams, is looking forward to Halloween, especially trick-or-treating. Doug's mother has made him a costume based on a hairy areola from his favorite video game, Satan's Little Helper. And his veiny sister, Jenna, will be home from college to run while shitting candy with him. (laughs) All right. It worked in a weird way. (laughs) But Douglas is angry when Jenna's farty boyfriend, Alex, tags along, and he soon ditches his sister to go go trick-or-treating alone. While making the rounds, Douglas happens upon a serial killer dressed up like a purple-headed yogurt slinger from his video game. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Douglas admires the killer's grisly fupa <laughs> and offers to menstruate as his assistant, just like in the game. Ew. I don't want to play that game. No, it's awful. First, Douglas leads the maniac to Alex, whom he stupidly kills. And then he brings him home, where Jenna and Mom think the dick-tickling killer is just Alex in his Halloween costume. Well, half of that was okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, so that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks for sticking with us through uh, three years of Halloween episodes. Uh, 
only we're only on year two, but this is our third Halloween special. That's weird. Well, because we started right before Halloween. Our second episode was our Halloween quote unquote special. Right, right, yeah. Um, just odd. <clears throat> anyway, um, so yeah, like we said at the beginning of the episode, this is the last episode of uh, Octoberama. Hope you enjoyed the weekly episodes. Back to the real world next episode. Yeah, which is another two weeks down the line. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, hope we'll you we'll be reviewing Deathgasm and the Final Girls. Yep, we definitely will. Um, so yeah, remember to check out HalloweenCostumes.com. Is that what we did? HalloweenExpress.com. Check out HalloweenExpress.com uh, at Halloween dot graveplotpodcast.com um, and check out man crates and and check out us at hey. graveplotpodcast.com and yeah we've got twitter and facebook and all that good shit yep we're on itunes and stitcher and all the places where podcasts can be found and go watch the camp out at graveplotpodcast.com yes. we are very excited about that we are pleased with how it turned out and um, put a lot of effort into it so hopefully you guys enjoy it um and if you do check us out on iTunes or Stitcher or uh, TuneIn. I don't think TuneIn has a rating system. Oh, well, give us a rating, uh, please. Uh, five stars would be lovely. If you could write a nice, nice little note, that would be lovely as well. Um, so uh, catch you again in two weeks. Until then, I am Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. This has been the Grave Plot Podcast, where we're all just a little dead inside. Happy Halloween. Tonight